Prepare yourselves for the arrival. but it is the name of my channel that I'm trying to push forward. So this will be the first numbered episode. Um, I'm very, very lucky to be joined today by the purveyor, creator, and owner of ReRes TV, Shane Louise. Shane, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, uh, yeah, so um, I'm the creator of ReRes, which is a YouTube channel all about video games. And it's, it's really awesome. <laughs> Thanks. It's great. You've been, uh, you've been doing it for how long now? Uh, since 2012 now, so yeah. just a couple of years, yeah. And this is what you do. Yeah, this is what I do. This is, uh, yeah, it's pretty much it now, I guess. Yeah. The way it goes. And I'm, I'm pretty jacked. Uh, we talked uh, a couple times, and I've wanted to get on board with this a few times. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy that you could join me today. Today, we are going to talk about 2015, what we liked, what we didn't like, sort of what we think about the year in total in games and maybe about how each, each other in 2015 and then looking forward to 2016 some of the things we're we're pumped about and uh where gaming's going uh i i suppose i'm probably picking the most difficult day this is the last day of the break it is what is today the third of january yeah back to work well at least for me anyway but and everybody uh, so it's just shaking off the rust and uh I'm also getting over a little bit of bronchitis, so if I'm coughing and I look like I'm dying, don't be concerned <laughs> at all. I'm okay. I'm okay. So I suppose we could jump right into it. Um, Shane, what did you think about the year 2015 in gaming in general? Um, the ebb and flow. And and flow. I, I think 2015 was an interesting year for gaming because there was a lot of games that were coming out that I was really excited about. And I ended up playing a lot of those games and losing some of the excitement as I got to play them. But then other games I wasn't expecting to be excited about totally took me by surprise and they became some of my favorite games I've ever played. Mm -hmm. So 2015 was the year I wasn't expecting. I'd say that's what it was. Okay. And that can be good and bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm really happy with the games I played. Like a lot of the ones I played, even the ones I didn't like so much, I, I understood what they were about mm -hmm. and I kind of got that from them. But... Some games just took me completely out of nowhere, just just in a completely different direction, and they gave me a different experience than. So they they kind of gave me an experience I wanted, but I didn't know I wanted. Yeah, I, I find that a lot with games. I mean, I've heard the the term palate cleanser uh, a lot lately, just from people that play games, and it's like, I never really understood what that means. I play games I want to I want to play, and I'm just going to go one to one to one. But as I get a little bit older and maybe mature in my my gaming personality and tastes. And, and time is so much more valuable now. I I understand what a palate cleanser is. I mean, you play The Witcher 3 and then you're like, 
okay, I don't really want to get into a 100-hour RPG again. Maybe I want to play Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, something beautiful, a little bit more uh, simplistic. And yeah, it's just a, little, a different key. tone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what was the – we'll talk about games more in detail as we go, but you were mentioning a game just before we started here that uh, really caught your eye and that you love extremely this oh, year. Read-only memories. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be one of the games that I, – I knew I was going to like it on some level because it's heavily inspired by Snatcher and more older MSX-based games in NES mm-hmm. and Super Nintendo detective story type things, point-and-click action adventures. And I was really excited to try it out, but I didn't know – how excited I would be because when I started to play the game, I felt like there's a lot of games out there that are designed that are inspired by like Mega Man or or Halo yes. or Half-Life. Platformers, they want to recapture right. that. Yeah. Something. And they find something and they really stick to it and they make the same <clears throat> game. There was a game that recently came out, um, Axiom Verge, I yes, think what it's called. The Metroid, yeah. Yeah. And it really just feels like a Metroid game one to one. It doesn't feel like they really changed much. Not that that's bad. They made a really solid experience that is pretty much. I agree. I, I, yeah. I played it. Uh, I bought it. Uh, and I played it briefly, but I think I was expecting a little bit too much out of it. It's, and that, again, doesn't mean it's a bad game at it all. It doesn't mean it's a bad game. It's a game that is perfectly serviceable, is a good game in its own right. But I felt like we already had this with Metroid. What was this? What was the new thing this was mm-hmm. telling me? It's cool to see games attempt to be another game or or try and emulate some of the features from the game that, they were, that the creators were obviously inspired by. When I played Read Only Memories, I was expecting kind of like a Snatcher clone, but I got something more. I got something that kind of dived into the gameplay mechanics in kind of a really unique way. Um, one of the things I've always hated about Snatcher, and, it, and Snatcher's one of my favorite yeah, games yeah, of all time. Yeah, yeah, I love it. But, like, one of the things I've always hated about it is you have to hunt, pixel hunt. Go around clicking on things mm-hmm. until you know. Well, usually in, in that game, it's like it's just words that you click on and stuff like that. But you nothing highlights on the screen. With read-only memories, um, when you, like, put your mouse over something, uh, kind of a bounding box goes around that object, and it tells you this is clickable. Yeah. This is an asset. You Click can, me. Yeah, yeah. Right? That I love. They had to draw that in. That's not like some 3D model where they create an uh, like an overlay effect on a 3D model. This is pixelated artwork that they had to draw all that stuff in individually. And when you do that, it defines the world a little bit more. And the tiny things they did in the game where they were world building, which in Snatcher, some of the best stuff in Snatcher is Neo Kobe's world building with like Neo Kobe pizza. Yeah. And, and knowing all those little tiny bits, they bring this really rich tapestry and make this amazing story. And Read Only Memories has that same feeling. It, it, it's building this world and establishing ideas, and the narrative becomes that much more lush because you're creating this entire atmosphere that the player can get lost in. Mm-hmm. And I was not expecting that kind of, of of performance. I was basically expecting a game that was just going to be, oh, here's a game that has a story, click, 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 yeah. but it's definitely... So the nostalgia gets you in the door, but then it adds all those updates that maybe when you were playing it, you wanted, but you didn't know. Yeah, so it's so like, let's save a little bit more for that because <laughs> I, I mean, there's, I, I'm like that too. You just get going on a game <laughs> that you love, and it's obviously that you love it. I mean, for me, the year was, as I said right before we started, it's sort of the dreams unrequited. I feel like there were so many big games that had a lot to build up to, uh, mainly in the AAA space. There, again, there was a ton of great surprises, but I feel like this was a year that was going to def- be defined by huge releases and the end of huge releases. Metal Gear Solid, The Phantom Pain. Um, Arkham Knight was coming to a close. Witcher 3, I mean, not the close, but then again, I, I think CD Projekt Red did say this might have been the final one, but due to the the reception of it, they, they want to keep going. Yeah, I mean, this one was way bigger than the other two. And I'll be honest, 
Witcher 1, Witcher 2, not a big fan of. Don't like the game mechanics all that much. That's it. I mean, you could see there's awesome things apart, and you could see why these games would be awesome. I I did like The Witcher 2. I didn't play a ton of it. Yeah, Again, yeah. Uh, Witcher 1 I never played, I fully admit, but I know people did love it. But Witcher 2's combat, it's 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 a lover or hater thing, and it starts tough. And that's, a lot of people drop it right then. And that's the thing, 3 didn't do that for me. No. When I started to play 3, I was like, okay, they've made the game, they, they've made the game that has the complexity and nuances of Witcher 1 and 2, but they're giving the regular players a way to get in. It's not like, it's not that I can't play those games, it's just that the mechanics of them... Is it worth it? Yeah. yeah, right, and and that doesn't really play with me. It's like um, when you look at the original XCOM games; they're very complex but really cool games that offer a lot of different things. But we all forget to sort of. Oh yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. About that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, it was it's one of those games that really did play a number on me because when I went to go play the original XCOM, because I was so I was so excited for the new one to come out, I was thinking, well. It's gonna change, like, it, it can't be the same game. But when the new XCOM came out, not the third-person crazy... <laughs> yeah, we'll forget that even happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about uh, Enemy Unknown. Yeah. When Enemy Unknown came out, I was so impressed by the fact that they made a game that felt so much like the original, but stripped out all the unnecessary complexity, mm -hmm. right? And just, it's a better game for it. And honest to God, I when I played Enemy Unknown, I was like, this is one of the greatest games I've ever played mm -hmm. of XCOM. And, and it makes you feel like... Wow, I didn't know how much I liked XCOM until I played this game. It needs to say you're really excited about uh, XCOM 2 oh coming God. out for 2016, it, which we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah. It's one of those things where I don't even know what the story is. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about the story in the first one, but the gameplay and the, strate uh, the strategy in it mm -hmm. is so damn solid that I just can't wait to try the next one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I overall, I did enjoy it. There were a lot of games I missed out on, and I haven't got to this year because of one thing or the other. Again, time... Uh, but there were some disappointments to me, and I think we'll get to those later. So let's just jump right into, I suppose we can go shot for shot, uh, some of the games yeah, that really stood out. And I don't, I basically, maybe at the end we can go, what is our game of the year? Okay, I don't know, yeah. but yeah, I, I used to do this thing where we do categories, you know, score of the year. But I, I think this is a little bit off the cuff, and it is my first episode, so maybe next year we can save it for that. All right, yeah. that's fine, yeah. Um... I guess I'll kind of go chronologically. Um, a standout game for me that I didn't play enough of uh, was Bloodborne. Um, and it's strange, I have this love-hate thing with the Souls games, I fully admit. I know people are going to say this get-good thing, and trust me, I play a lot of difficult games, and I pride myself on being able to, maybe not the most difficult, extreme, extreme. I get you that, know, yeah. <laughs> uh, But I play action games, uh, 3D action games, on the most hard thing. I love that Twitch gameplay, but it's something that I played Demon Souls, I played Dark Souls 1, I played Dark Souls 2, and I only finished Demon Souls. Now, it, everyone says the combat is so great. I don't love the combat. To me, it seems janky, although it is fluid. I know people are probably like, this is this guy, I wanna hurt this guy right now. But anyway, that's just how I felt. But Bloodborne was a little bit different. The reason I didn't get all the way through it was a recurring problem I have with a lot of games this year is that on release, those load times, I just couldn't deal with them. Yeah. You know, and you do die a lot initially. Like, like, everyone says these games are so hard. I really don't think they're overly difficult games. It's just, you know, you grasp the mechanics, you learn a level. It's the way we used to play games growing up. Yeah, really. yeah, pretty much. And that's what people love about them, I think. It's just in, in a beautiful aesthetic. But what Bloodborne did uh, was, was capture the mood. And it's something completely different. Well, not different, but a, a different uh, a setting than what the other Souls games were. And... 
I love that. And now with the Game of the Year edition, I mean, it's already out in Europe and Japan. I know it's coming here. I just don't know when with the Old Hunters DLC. Uh, I'm going to jump in. Like, I played I pre pre probably about five, six hours of it. And I'm like, I'm going to love this game when they fix those, those load times. And I know they have. I mean, they're not perfect now. I think they're down to like four or five seconds. Whereas before, they I were like that. 15 yeah, yeah. to 17 seconds. Which is just, I just can't do that anymore. I'm not going to put up with it. Um, so yeah, did you play Bloodborne this year? I didn't play Bloodborne, uh, but yeah, Bloodborne. But I did play a couple of the Souls games. For me, it's like uh, what you're talking about when you die and you don't respawn quick enough. I, uh, I swear. Absolutely, this is explicit. Yeah. I hate yeah. No, please swear, because oh yeah, that's it. Oh my god! So it's like this is like my biggest, biggest problem. Uh, uh, Super Meat Boy is difficult. But the difficulty is the gameplay. I mean, and it's immediate. It, yeah, you Limbo. die. But right, exactly. You're back on your feet. You're there mm -hmm. again. You die. You learn. You die. You learn. You die. You learn. You die. You win. And I love that kind of gameplay. FTL feels the exact same way to me. Mm -hmm. When you die, it's a quick thing, and then you can go back and learn it. Or it's going to be a slow and drawn out process where it's like, okay, I can stop the game right here and go back. I like, uh, but the way that Super Meat Boy dealt with death was such a brilliant way. And when I play Dark Souls, I feel like it doesn't do the same thing. And it's a much slower experience, mm -hmm. and for me, that's the most irritating part. It's like it's like in Metal Gear Solid Five, which is a game where you go from one area to another, you <clears throat> riding on a helicopter, you're doing all that shit, and it takes you like an hour of gameplay just to fly. And I'm like, I don't care, spawn me there. Yeah. I want to be there and play. You know? Uh, yeah, we'll get to Metal Gear. I mean. I suppose if you, yeah, I'm pretty much dumb born. I, I did like the <laughs> game. I, and I want, I will jump into it. But you're right. That mechanic of, I hear people talk. It, it's rewarding. It teaches you to play. But what is different in? Every game does that to to a certain extent. Every, yeah, exactly, whether I play exactly. Devil May Cry, whether I play Bayonetta, a tons of games have fail states. I am learning through fail states in every game. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Just, so why is that exclusive? I'm going on a bit of, this is my soul's right? I've always wanted to get into, I'd love to do, um, you know, an enthusiast versus the the naysayer in terms of a, a, the souls the souls games, because I get everything about them. But the complaints I have, I think, are extremely valid, and you can't just explain those away by just deal with it and get good, and that's the rewarding part. It's of like, it. it's like, because there's a lot of people that really enjoy those those quick experiences where they die or the, the super difficulty, and there's a lot of gamers that are coming to age now where they didn't grow up with these really difficult arcade games, so they play these really hard games and go, well, this is cool! Yeah. There's actual gameplay here! So, <laughs> yeah, man, not everything's Halo, and it's amazing, yeah. right? But they couldn't get that. And when I see Dark Souls, I see how amazing it is and, and what it's trying to do, but for me, it's like, as a gamer, I've progressed beyond this already, and I'm looking at other games that are offering that same kind of experience, but they're also giving you a really strong narrative or some different kind of gameplay mechanic that switches up. See, now people, bit. the Pro Souls crowd will say they like that the narrative is there and it doesn't hit you in the face. And, you know what I mean? And I'm okay with, with doing a little bit of digging, but I mean, again, I never finished the game, so I can't speak to Bloodborne's narrative or lack thereof. Uh, I suppose well, nobody ever talks about the story. I mean, that's, some that's people do thing. though. You go on YouTube, and there are stories. They they patch those threads together, no matter how much they're reaching. And I think some of them do make sense. Like I, I like that little bit of 
this is the way it was. It's like this now because, and this person, this boss, yeah, it's is like this, a, that, and those threads connect. It's, it's like uh, Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. People are like uh, reaching beyond the the elements of the story to try and find, or the game to find more uh, story. Although, arguably, I think in terms of games that have narrative, when I think of Bloodborne's gameplay and the way that it kind of presents itself, I like it's it, the way it treats uh, fights is the same way Zelda treats puzzles. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you're. You're, you're in a fight, now you have to figure out the best way to beat that combat. Yeah. And in that in and of itself is sort of this kind of, you know, violent puzzle. And I think that's kind of cool, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, if I have to play a game that's going to be challenging me in that respect, I'd rather be playing a game that has, like, a, a neat story that mm -hmm. is going to project yeah. in some way. I, that, I tend to be that. I, I think that is part... I think that's a great way to end the Bloodborne conversation or Souls in general is I'm the same way. And... Since you did talk about Metal Gear, let's talk about... I thought that was a huge problem I have with Metal Gear this year. That was... Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five was one of my biggest disappointments Thank you. This year. And I'm, we're going to be and, holding and, hands and okay. saying that because <laughs> I am... Okay, I'm not going to say you're telling the biggest. I am a massive Metal Gear fan. I, I don't want to say I'm the biggest, but... Ooh, I'm probably not the biggest, but I'm pretty damn big. Like, I got all the Metal Gear games. Yeah. Subsistence, I, I Substance. Metal Gear Acid 1 and 2 are some of my Love favorite PSP games. It. It's insane. And you know what? Metal Gear uh, fans in general usually go, oh, Acid sucks. Oh, Acid is still a fun game. Even at that point, I'm still enjoying those games. Sure. It's a completely different take. It, it uh, is. The way they play. It is. Uh, like, I love Ghost Babble, you know, it's pretty much the older Metal Gear. Like, Metal Gear, I remember Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2 for the MSX. I actually emulated an MSX in a fan's translation just to play those games on um, on my computer before they were released on the PlayStation 2 years previously because mm -hmm. I was so engaged with mm -hmm. Metal Gear and I wanted to see where the story actually came from because, as a lot of us know, they didn't come from the NES, right? That's right. And I still, I own Snake's Revenge and I own the NES versions of uh, the Metal Gear games and they're completely crap, but I would keep them in my collection <laughs> just because they have that Metal Gear branding on them and it sucks, but... And you, it gives you uh, the building blocks of yes. where solid... I, like, I remember reading... I mean, game game fan in these beautiful game magazines growing up, and I, months and or, or almost a full year, I suppose the hype train started for me with Metal Gear Solid. I remember seeing this game, and I was like, I remember playing that. Yeah, and it didn't really have an impact on me. I was a Sega kid growing up through and through. I it's just I don't know. We were a weird bunch, but that's just the way we were. In, in that in that in that room over there, uh, for people at home that are just listening to the audio, yeah. I've got a room over there, and in that room there is a stack of like seven or eight video game magazines I will never sell. On the top of that is a copy of uh, of uh, Next Generation. It's a yeah. yellow copy of the magazine, and it's got Meryl Silverberg on it, and in it it's the first revelation of what Metal Gear Solid is going to be, and it's got like beta shots of the mm -hmm. game and everything. That was my first knowledge about Metal Gear Solid and a couple of months after I read that uh, article they released a demo that was in Japanese when yes. I first played Metal Gear Solid I was like holy shit this is where games can go mm -hmm. now and that is when I started to realize that games can be on the same narrative level as movies and books because up until that point we had a lot of video games that were really good I completely agree and I think a, a lot of people share that 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 thought process it was I remember Shadow Moses Island and the Fox yeah. Arch Archipelago. And just hearing Roy Campbell break that down, I was like, holy shit, we're in the sub. It, it, it blew my mind. Because, like, I, I'm not, I, I'm a classic gamer, and before Metal Gear Solid, I think there are tons of games that had really strong narratives. But the way that they projected those narratives onto the player right. wasn't in the way that was cinematic. It was, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Zork has a really good story, if you really want to pay attention to Zork's story. But it's it's like a novel, and it, it it was presenting all these games presented stories 
in a way that a novel would, not in the way that a film would, and that's what Metal Gear Solid really, I felt, changed things for me. There were other video games before that, like Snatcher, but I had never actually played Snatcher because, surprise, surprise, Sega CD wasn't so popular around yeah. these parts. But, you know, I really feel like Metal Gear Solid 5... Yeah, tie back in and yeah, it it's like... Because I played, again, I, I feel... Although I've always enjoyed the gameplay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the wrinkles and the boss battles were phenomenal, fantastic, mm -hmm. famous for them. But I played these games for the narrative. The story and the characters and i'm sorry metal gear solid 5 falls completely flat in that respect the i love the gameplay because those threads tied the gameplay sections together yes yeah it wasn't i never felt like i was marching from this corridor to another cutscene to another cutscene it was just they flowed together seamless i love those and i felt like I don't know whether Kojima took the, the criticisms from Metal Gear Solid 4 too much to heart or listened too much to those naysayers versus the people that love Metal Gear Solid 4. Because when I played Peace Walker, it was like everything I really didn't want in a mainline Metal Gear game. I felt the game. exact same way. I didn't like Peace Walker either. But I accepted because I didn't play it until it was uh, done in the, the AC remaster. I mean, I had, I've had i had PSP. I played Vita. But I just... When I'm playing those games, it's not something I idealize in a handheld. It, it, seriously, Peace Walker was a console experience pushed down to a PSP. and I It was originally it lives, supposed yeah. to be Metal Gear Solid yeah. 5. And I feel like that worked better on a console. So I think the console version is a far better experience, I believe. I agree. And just because of the little change they did. But for Metal Gear Solid 5, I do not believe it was Kojima's fault that the game turned out the way it did. This is one of the Okay, few, we're going to have a great okay, conversation about Because this, this is one of the few experiences where I can honestly look at the game and go... There are literally points in the game that are missing. Oh, 100%. It's an unfinished, objectively, yes. it is an unfinished game. And that, and that is in, my problem. More in so many respects, not just narratively, but gameplay as well. The the plans were, I mean, there were supposed to be docks. There were supposed to be so many other ways to play this game. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and like, it was, it was those tiny little things that I think, I, I felt like when I played Ground Zeroes, I felt like I understood what Ground Zeroes yeah. was trying to be. And I was like, okay, you want to make... It's so much better. Right, right. <laughs> Round Zeroes is like, okay, you want to build these smaller sequences of, 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 of closed-off areas that become larger elements of a gameplay. And in each one of those areas, it adds to the narrative and the gameplay and the story mm -hmm. and everything. And when I was playing Ground Zeroes, I was like, I get this. There's a limitation of what they're doing here in, in terms of what you can do. But it felt like I had a billion different options to achieve a, any kind of goal. When Metal Gear Solid Five came out, it was a million and one options to achieve any one goal, like way more, oh, mm -hmm. but like a, instead of like a, a 10 ways to achieve something in Ground Zeroes, it was like a thousand ways. Yeah. But the problem was every single one of those a thousand ways you're never going to use, you're only use like three that, ways. Because how do we play Metal Gear? We want to stealth, we don't go yeah. in guns blazing. And I feel like so many of those aspects of building and adding on and all these weapons, I'm never going to use because I feel like the game, now I've had conversations about this, but the way when I say it punishes you, I don't mean it really punishes you, but in terms of the fact that it has, when you finish a mission, it scores you. Yeah. And if you go, if you do not play the game tactically, stealthily, you are actually penalized no, and it, for that. It, but that, exactly. So why the hell did we have 156 million different gun Guns, combinations? Guns, which I'm never going like, to use. I'm just like, dude, give me give me 12 different variations of of like uh, of silenced pistols and silenced weapons and and like darts to put people up. Mm -hmm. I want ways to like to go in uh, stealthily, but they literally made the game in a way where you could play two different aspects, which was fine. But then when you got to fight the bosses. 
the bosses had the same fucking problem that you saw with with Deus Ex years previously. Because with Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution, you had all these characters who, or these boss battles that were made by a completely different company outside of Ubisoft, right? And then those boss battles, let's say you played your character stealthily, like I did, because that's how I've always played Deus Ex games. And then when you got to the boss battle, you're screwed because you didn't build a character that's able to fight To fight them, yeah. Yeah. And Metal Gear Solid 5, I felt the exact same way, and I was like, oh. Yeah, because your build, you you bring a tactical uh, stealth build in, and then all of a sudden, you got to fight this... I mean, but then again, there wasn't a hell of a lot of bosses in the game anyway. It was like one variation of boss. And it was, which is a huge, huge thing. I mean, I love, Metal Gear Solid 3 is one of my top five games of all time. Yes, yeah. Uh, And I I fully believe it is the best game in a franchise of greats. Although I don't feel this game is great. Uh, But everything that I loved about Metal Gear Solid 3 isn't really in this game. I agree, I agree. I think... I honestly think what they were trying to achieve with Metal Gear Solid Five could have worked, but it would have required a lot more time, which is where I think the interesting conversation can be had with Kojima. Was Kojima fired because um, of some differences he had, or was Kojima fired because he went up to his bosses and went, hey, this is going to take me another two years to finish? Yeah. Like, what was See, that? complete conjecture. My personal feeling, my personal feeling only. I feel like... Konami's a business. They're assholes. And they have done a shitty job. But they gave... We know that they gave him at least $80 million and five years to make this game. In there, I don't know how much was used to create the Fox engine, which is an absolute shame that he's not ever going to be able to use this engine. engine, um, Or that it was... It is the best, most transferable, beautiful engine. Like, look how Metal Gear Solid Five looked on PS3 and 360. It looked per- like that. That's something I will never. Under- that game, I could set the graphics to top on my computer and it didn't stress out the system. No, nope. and it looked amazing. And there were so many. Uh, like I, I remember turning that engine on and just going, "It doesn't suck. Like it should suck. It should suck because I played um, Black Ops Three on the PlayStation Four mm-hmm. and I bought it on PC first and I returned my PC version because the PC version just didn't work that well." And I'm thinking, here's a company that has millions of dollars invested into making the same engine. They don't want to optimize. Yeah, and it blew my mind. And here comes Kojima with an engine that just worked. And it was amazing. (laughs) I couldn't understand that. And and honestly, that engine is is worth its weight in gold. But you know what? They're never going to make a machine out of that engine. So I don't know what happened. And this, my personal feeling, and I'm... Like, I'm not a fanboy about too many things. But I am a Kojima fanboy. I love... I drink that Kool-Aid, man. I don't <laughs> care. His story... I'll hear people say the stories are always stupid. But you know what? I love that stupidity. But... And I... In every single one of those stories are fantastic. Um, you can see his mindset. I still feel like the ending of Metal, Metal Gear Solid to Metal Gear Solid 2 is even more relevant today than it was when it happened. I agree. Yeah. I mean, just... The, the overarching themes are so on point and, and, and progressive. And I, in the mud of all that silliness, which I love because I love over the yeah, top no, stuff, absolutely, yeah. are fantastic themes. And I just don't see it in, in five. It's 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 two two. I think was 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 not not that two was hated when it came out, but I think two has aged better as we've gotten I older. I completely agree. Metal Gear Solid one, two, and three, I think, are a really fantastic experience of games combined. And I think you could just play one and play three. And you'd be fine. You don't have to play all the games. I think those ones really work. Two is still really good. I'm not a huge fan of four. 
I'm not a big fan of Peace Walker, but let me tell you, when it comes to 5, I'm out. The gameplay worked really well in instances, but became too muddy with just a billion different things going on. It really felt like, and narratively, there's chunks of the story that are just missing. This isn't like, uh, this is just the thing. When we, I think we both agree, when we say that uh, the game isn't finished, we're not trying to say, oh, uh, it's our opinion. We're literally saying- No, I'm literally game. saying this is yeah. an unfinished game, and I really don't think that's an opinion you can argue. Yeah, and it's not, it's not a, it's not a hit against Kojima, it's, it's whoever was, was like, like, he, 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 like, they released the game when he's not even at the company anymore, yeah. so it's like- Like, hey. I really think they said, okay, where are you? And, and he's like, there's obviously supposed to be a chapter three. There, there had to have been. Yeah. He had all these gameplay ideas. It's obvious that Mother Base was supposed to be so much more. I mean, I wouldn't have mind building all those weapons if it actually made sense to have my crew have it. And there was, what is the reason for even going back to Mother Base half the time? There Nothing. Really, and that, that's that's something I was so, oh my God. I must, I, okay, let's say I spent about 60, 70 hours playing that mm -hmm. damn game. 20 hours was spent just on the helicopter. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And then when they, and then the, the I don't want to spoil anything, but the ending feels rushed. Oh, 100%. The, the, the story feels like, okay, let's just clip these segments and put them together. And I felt like, I felt like it was so, and this is the first time I'm ever going to say this. I felt the story from El Gear Solid 5 was brain dead stupid. Yep. Compared to where 3 was, dealing with incredibly emotional events that really play with the character. And a and fantastic the, pillar character oh in the boss. Yes. I mean... Beginning, it begins with her, and it's, to me, she's the best female character ever realized in video games. I've always thought that. I really felt like, because it's... it's it, it, I shouldn't even say female, just character, period. It, it's it's true. You know, it, it's funny because it's not like every... Not every female character is written as a love interest, but Metal Gear Solid 3, it's not... It's, it's this amazing respect and friendship that isn't about love, and that's something you rarely ever see mm -hmm. tacked on. You see it in movies. You see it in books, you rarely ever see that in video games. And in the ending of Metal Gear Solid 3, which I am not going to oh spoil, God. but that ending makes you the person that Like, has I to swear make to God, choice. Shane, I stood up and saluted, and <laughs> I, uh, like, I've, I've cried in two endings ever, and I'm, I'll admit, I may not look it, but I am a bit of a softie. <laughs> uh, but I remember finishing that game and standing up and saluting with a tear coming down my eye. It was, a, the character was tragic, strong, and just everything about it I loved. But anyway, it's like, tying it into the Metal Gear Solid 3 conversation we're having, Metal Gear Solid 5 was billed as that missing link. And I felt like because we know it's supposed to be quote-unquote the end, and of the way it was billed to tie into Metal Gear and Zanzibar Land and Outer Heaven, and it did none of that! Oh my god, it pissed me off so much because like, what did everyone hate about, and you can't say this without spoiling it, but something very important about the character you're playing turns out not to be really that character that yeah. you're playing and what really what really irritated me was okay look i get it we want to see how big boss becomes a villain we want to see after three i yeah. get it after three it's like dude i get it yeah. i get it the, the but, build it it's there right but kojima is saying hey no no there's something more yeah and so we got peace walker and what with portable ops mm -hmm. hey, but hey no 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 there's something there's more. something there's even something more. even more okay okay show me and when they start to build these little pieces and show how he's like a destroyed, like you, you've seen it in the game, he's missing his arm and all that stuff. Yeah. Like these are all in the previews and stuff like that. I mean, geez, if you didn't know he's missing your arm, you got the special yeah. in the game. Literally, the game came with an arm, mm -hmm. so like that happens. But all those elements, when they get put together and you see how it all combines, it's like, 
Oh God! You just made episode one. Yes. You know what I mean. You didn't. Where leave. is the rest? Yeah. And it's not even about the missing chapter fifty-one, uh, Kingdom of the Flies. Yeah. That even doesn't. I mean, although that does tie up an arc in the game. Oh, if they put it in there, I still would have been. Still upset. had massive problems yeah, yeah. with it. If I just. Still- it, it was. I mean, we could probably talk about this for another forty <laughs> minutes because I just have massive problems. I will. I don't know if we'll ever truly know what happened because, unfortunately, games. And people in this, I mean, there's not very many good games journalists, quote unquote, or that want to, and, and not many people want to talk. I mean, they don't want to step on toes and things. I don't know if we'll ever truly know, know what happened, but I think it was a joint fault. A lot of people want to let Kojima off the hook, but I don't think that's fair. It's just because the pattern of Konami with what happened with PT and the shit that came out of them spying. I mean, they just seem like an awful company. Yes. They, they, but I think from a business standpoint, they had a point. But then it comes to the fact, should they have let... I mean, you don't know how the situation was handled. All those details that came to the big thing, you don't know. But ultimately, what we got, what we got was a massive disappointment. I really, You know, I personally believe that in a couple of years, when Konami realized how much money... And their business. When they realized how much money they can make from a director's cut version of this game, that reinstitute... Like, they, they all they have to do is just go, like... Okay, let's bring Because the bones some... have to be there. Yeah. I mean, the stuff has to be there. there, there it's, it's, it has to be. They, they, there's elements missing that we know exist. So they're probably going to make some kind of director's cut version with which which adds a bunch of stuff that they missed. Hell, you never know. Konami might just put up a ship and go, okay, we, we're, 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 we're dumb, we're stupid, we're going out of business, uh, let's sell our IPs. And then a company like EA or somebody picks it up and goes, okay... Uh, let's hire that Kojima guy in and tell him to fix the game. Or, I mean, if the situation continues with with Sony, as we've seen, that's where he's going. Maybe they buy the IP. I mean, there's so many hypotheticals going. I just okay to close this out. Uh, if they did make a director's cut without Kojima, I mean, they've they have stated. I don't know whether this is a safe face or not, but they have stated they would like to continue the franchise without mm-hmm. Kojima. How do you feel about that? I don't think it's a good idea at all. Okay. I mean, it's it's a. We, we don't play Metal Gear Solid because of Metal Gear Solid. We play Metal Gear Solid because it's Kojima. And if you take Kojima... It's like... Think of think of like the Terminator movies after they removed Cameron from it. It's like James Cameron was Terminator. Mm-hmm. He understood why those characters existed. When you start to bring on other creators, they lose the reference. It's like... There are people that get inspired by certain movies and certain games and they try and make those things, but then they miss the characters. They miss the point of why those characters exist. Because the, the creator itself is like, this character... Like when when you when you watch Terminator, you're not watching this amazing action film. You're watching a slasher fic. Like that's all it is. It's 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 it's, it's taking those things from Terminator Two, but without the soul. Yeah, and, yeah, and right. Applying them again, and, and that's what I think a lot of people tend to miss. They miss the foundation of why that gets made. And I think with uh, Metal Gear Solid, if Konami dares give somebody the creative control of it and makes like Metal Gear Solid Six, you're going to get a game that is not going to make any sense. And honestly. It's a game that uses a lot of Western ideas and Western mm-hmm. values in its narrative. So you're going to get another Japanese creator who, who I imagine they get a Japanese creator. That's just how I think Konami sure. works. And if they do that, they're going to get somebody. They're going to have to get somebody who understands, you know, where Metal Gear came from. Those movies that inspired that game. Why is Snake named Snake? Mm-hmm. Why does he go by the name Snake Plissken? You know, like that's a movie reference. Why are these characters in those in this world? How they exist? Why did Kojima use, um, you know, uh, like David Bowie music sure. in certain scenes? There are reasons. Can we talk? It. Okay, real quick. I, I, I mean, I in his quest to get all this detail, like all that money he spent 
on licensed music, which just seems like a complete waste to me. I like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't help me capture that period at all. I mean, it's, it's fun to hear when you walk into a base, but I think those are the problems Konami had. Like, where was this money that we gave you? Where the hell did it go? Did it go on 80s tracks that we buy for tapes that we may or may not ever see? I don't know. They bought Japan music. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, is that Japan? Like, I, remember I was hearing Billy Idol, Japan, and then you're hearing... Uh, but it's funny. You don't even hear the David Bowie version of The Man Who Sold the World. You're hearing... Um, uh, it's like a cover version somebody did from England like years after the fact or whatever. Remember. It's hilarious because you're hearing all these songs. I'm just like... He he's like the Quentin Tarantino of video games. Like the dude no, hears this mm-hmm. music is like like Joan Baez on on uh, on uh, the first uh, uh, shoot. What's it called? Uh, not Metal Gear Solid Five, but uh, uh, not Peace Walk. Oh, shit, not Peace Walk. Portal Ops. Uh, Peace Walk. No, no. Uh, the the demo that they released and they sold for full price. Ground Zeroes. Ground Zeroes. You hear that Joan Baez song? Uh, here he, here's to you. Uh, yeah, here's yeah, to you. That one. Yeah, yeah. That song when it's playing. It's giving this really like it's it. There's no dialogue. It's just driving. Yeah, it, but it's a throwback to. Uh, he used "Here's to You" as a ending song in one of the other games. I can't remember now. And that song, it, it has purpose. It mm-hmm. has there's drive, a purpose to it. I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm gonna, I'm going to. Okay, spoilers. One scene. <laughs> one scene. Metal Gear Solid Five. I have to talk to you about before we drop it. In the beginning, when they use that music in that in that game, uh, that song fits so well, and it, it has this this layer of, of of emotion, and it really really hammers the idea home. In Metal Gear Solid Five, they try to repeat the exact same scene on a jeep with mm-hmm. two characters looking at each I other, know. and I could have not been more bored. Oh my god! It's Just bomb. So I know bad. it bombs so bad. It's like, but see. I look at that, I'm like, there's no way Hideo Kojima made that scene. Like, there's no fucking way. Dude, dude made a scene where you're climbing up a ladder seem interesting. There is no fucking yeah. way he did I that. I know, and there's so many unknowns. I just hope we can get to the bottom. Real quick, okay. I'm going to blow your mind. I actually would like to see a new person's take on it, which seems completely <laughs> blasphemous because I didn't like Peace. I didn't like the last two Metal Gear games, and that was a long time. Part of me, as a huge fan, wonders if... Kojima was just going in a direction that I didn't like anymore with Metal Gear. Was he being forced to make I do, and it? I don't know. Right? And there are so why... many. And I think this next game that he's making with his new studio will answer a lot of my questions. Um, it, can he still make fantastic games that I love with that Kojima feeling? I think he can, and I'm not doubting him. But there was just a small part of me that would like to see someone, for instance... I love the boss so much, and there had always been a rumor that she would get her own game, Storming the Beaches in Normandy, Normandy and things I like that. I remember that, yeah, yeah. I would love to see a take on that. I don't know. And I'd love to just see someone try. Just to see. I don't know. And maybe they could say, see, I told you so, it'll fall flat. But I I mean, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably buy it. Yes, yeah. I just didn't like Metal Gear Solid 5 at all. Didn't like it. I honestly, I feel like I feel like there's some really good gameplay elements there. I think the engine is really solid. And you know what? Maybe, maybe somebody else gets their hands on it. They, they'd be able to do something really interesting. But I think the world is so complex and dirty now that it'd be really hard to get something effectively across. Right. I feel like a reboot would be more in order. I know. And that'd be so hard to do. Okay. we. Need, <laughs> I mean, we could do a, a Metal Gear podcast. <laughs> There's I, a I big like game. It's, it is here. huge. Yeah. I mean, oh, so let's... Another game. What's what's another game? Uh, I guess Fallout 4 was a pretty... Uh, huge. Like, that's a huge... Place, I didn't play yeah. Fallout 4, so you take it. Okay, so Fallout 4 for me... Um, I like Fallout 3. 
I like New Vegas a heck of a lot more. I was just gonna, that was my next question. Did yeah. you like New Vegas or Fall 3? I feel New Vegas is a better game. I feel New Vegas is a better game because I think it gives you more control over the story, and that's what an RPG is to me when it comes to the Fallout games. Fallout 1 and 2, you have so much control over what your character says and does. In Fallout 3, some of that control is removed, but there's still it's still there. It's just not as strong as 1 and 2. And then New Vegas, it came back and was like, New Vegas, hey, everything you like about 1 and 2 is back in. I was like... Kick ass. Mm -hmm. Everything's there. Beautiful. When 4 came out, there's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff about 4. I do not like the main quest. Okay. But the game is so big that you really don't have to play the main quest to enjoy it. Like, there is so much going on. Were 3 and 4's main quest, was the writing ever a strong suit, though? I found that I really liked the way that 3 gave you this relationship with your father. And for 3... Really, the whole reason I like Three's story is the very end, when when you have this choice that you have to make, and the only way that this one machine is going to work is based off of something that you must remember from yeah. your childhood, and I love that. Now, there's a way that you can tell the game to give you a really big hint about what you're supposed to do, but as soon as I saw the the, the number pad on this one sequence, I was like, I know what okay. that was. And I was like, when, when they did that, I was like, that's that's beautiful, like that was good. New Vegas, I felt, was better because it felt like any moment you have control over the story, you feel like, is that character pissing you off? Do you feel like he ripped you off? Well, you can kill him. You can you can you can destroy him, or you could like let him live. And Fallout Three, it never gave me that exact same form of control. But Four did none of that. Mm -hmm. Four literally was the game that was that that did it wrong, in my opinion. I think. With 4, what, what the biggest problem is... It's like is Fallout with training wheels in some sort of way. Fallout with a Mass Effect dialogue system, which I like Mass Effect, but I still felt like its dialogue system gave me clear <clears throat> definitions of what I should say. Yeah, it's, I mean, if Fallout 4 existed in a vacuum, you might be okay with it, but seeing what Fallout came from with conversation options, yes. do anything options... Fall Four seemed like a disappointment to a lot of purists. I, I and I think that's a, I think that's the biggest problem I have with the game is that I never felt like I had control. Mm -hmm. I felt like my character was going to say something that may work or may not work, and I think it's I think its dialogue system is is terrible. Like there's a lot of people who praise the dialogue system, eh, they're wrong. If you if you are reviewing, oh, there's already game, mods out uh, to, yeah, to yeah. fix it. And I this is part of my problem with Bethesda games in general. I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan. Again, I'm on the Souls thing, and now I'm on the Bethesda things. People are just gonna be like, ah! But I don't. I think they're ugly games. I don't. I don't. I think they run like shit, and I don't think there's any excuse for it. Four runs good though. But I, it, I, four only crashed once. See, <laughs> but I, I mean that's the thing. Like some people didn't have a problem with Battlefield Four, but it didn't mean the problems weren't there. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, like it's just. I mean, I, the reason I haven't played this game is not because I don't want to play it. I want to play it. But again, off-camera, we were talking about my huge problem with open-world games today. I refuse to buy them day one now because they run so much better five, six months removed. After I agree. Yep. Ten friggin' patches. And I am not a beta tester. I, I'm not going to pay $60, $70 to be a beta tester anymore. Yep. My gaming tastes are refined now, and my time is far too valuable for me to deal with this crap. And it's like... Bethesda is a habitual line stepper, you know, I, and I just I'm not gonna deal with it. No, I I told like, believe me, I totally get what you're and saying. And those excuses of it's just do anything and you can stack fucking cheese wheels in a house and it's gonna whatever. I'm like, I don't care about but see, that. But see, though. that 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 right there is the problem I have because when people say that, so the, uh, the cheese wheels argument is a great thing. You can just get all the cheese wheels in the game. You can put it in that one house if you want to. Yeah, but. 
that's nothing. That, that's, that's something you can do in Gary's mod. When I say I want to do something different, I want to change the story from one thing to something else based off choices I've been giving in the game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Bethesda games never really live up to that aspect. New Vegas really did that for me. New Vegas is like, dude, there are paths you can, you can take and there are ways you can play this game. And 4 felt so limited in that way, mm -hmm. in that respect. Not to knock, I, I think the gameplay on 4 is much I was just getting, that was my next question, in yeah. terms of a, a, it probably plays better than, than ever before. I feel it does, I feel it does. I mean, like, look, the, the original Fallout 1, 2, and even Tactics, and Tactics is really just all about the gameplay, those games really are good with the way that they treat their gameplay, and it's a very straightforward kind of gameplay mechanic, and I get it. Um, 3, I don't think, was a great shooter. And it was trying to be a shooter in some respects. I felt that New Vegas improved on it a little bit, but it still had some of the faults of 3 <clears> built into it. I felt 4 was a better shooter, and it tried to have some better RPG elements to it. But I felt that there was a lot of cases where they simplified it or dumbed it down for the modern audience. This is where I have my biggest problem with 4. 4 essentially is Fallout 3 dumbed down a little bit. To I, I, yeah, easier. I've heard that a lot. But what I don't understand is... Who are you dumbing it down for? See, I couldn't understand that. Because you your fans are your fans. They yeah. like that stuff. Yeah, like, are, are you dumbing it down for people that never played Fallout before? Well, yeah. Why? I agree. Even then, I get it. Like, they want to get more people buying the game, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's cool. It's just when I played Fallout 4, it felt dumbed down in the ways that it didn't need to be dumbed down in, right? It dumbed down the dialogue system, which is like, yeah, but the dialogue system was smart before and it mm -hmm. worked really efficiently. You didn't need to dumb that down. The The gameplay mechanics where uh, there's a lot more shooting stuff in there. Well, I get what you're trying to do, but dude, you're not gonna compete against Call yeah, of Duty. Yeah, you're not going to be as good as even the above average shooters. Right. So, I, yeah, like, I mean, it, it, it became it. a shooter from being a tactical VATS based thing. And yeah. And that's what I couldn't understand. They were trying to make Fallout something that it wasn't. And I was just like, I don't understand exactly what the idea here is that you're trying to go for. There are narrative strands in there and a bunch of world exploring elements that are brilliant. And for that, I love Fallout. And I did have, uh, I did enjoy my experience, but it was the single player experience, or the, the main story, the main quest that pulled me so far away. Uh, and I was just like, holy shit, why? Because there, there was a point when I got to, I think it was like 75% of the story. And I saw, I, I was like, okay, I know what the ending is now. You, you, you didn't do any job here to prevent this from happening. Mm. And I was like, I hope they change it. But as soon as you get to the ending, done. Yeah, you you call it you call it right from the get-go. So did you finish it? Yeah, but I didn't. You just begrudgingly, you know, just to it's, say it's you finished just, it. It's just like, it's like, what, what they did in it was, there, there's, they create this really good, important thing that you need to do. But that important thing becomes less important as you go along. In Fallout 3... Not to spoil anything, this is like right at the beginning of the game, you gotta find your father. Yeah. In Fallout New Vegas, you have to seek revenge. But when you seek revenge, which can happen pretty early into the game, once you've done that, there's a world that explores out to you, and that story becomes far more complex. In Fallout 4, um, you're looking for your son. That That's that's what it's yeah. about. It's like it's right at the beginning of the game. Like it, It's right so, there. So, it's... um. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There. No, no, no. Yeah. I, just something that came if I don't say it now. What did you think about having a voice protagonist this time? I didn't despise it. Okay. What I didn't Because I didn't mind it either, just from the outside looking. I, I, w I was fine. I, I thought it was a good voice actor. He did a good job. It's just 
the dialogue system played into that, and I think that soured my opinion okay. of having him there. But I'll tell you this much, Ron Perlman needed to be the voice actor for the intro of the game, and he wasn't. Mm. Every Fallout game, at the very beginning, except, I think, for Brotherhood of Steel, but nobody really cares about that one. It's like the, the, the black sheep of the games. Okay. Um, there is a... Ron Perlman introduces the world and goes, war. War never changes. And it has that whole thing to him, right? And, and, that, and that's really important. When I say, what the fuck was Bethesda thinking <laughs> when removing one of the best voice actors, one of the greatest actors of our generation, you removed Hellboy from Fallout, yeah. which is just like, why would you do that? This is what I couldn't understand. I would get that if you started the game and the narrative was read by the male all the way through. But you can start the game right after that intro video and become a female. Mm -hmm. And the intro is still written or read out by the male voice actor. Yeah. So I was just like... Puzzling. Especially off the beginning. Like generally in games, the first uh, act is the most polished. Yeah. And sometimes it can fall out because most people don't finish games. So they concentrate everything at the beginning. And I was just like, but what? Like, are, are, you, are, you, are you dumb? Like, why did you do that? Ron Perlman introduces the world and then it would go, now you are a parent in this pre-World mm -hmm. War society, something like that. And it would have been like, okay, now you get to choose to be the man or you get to choose to be the woman or whatever. And then the world can go off from there. And then if at the ending you want that character to just to read off everything, fine. But Ron Perlman needs to introduce or some outside voice actor needs to introduce that. Because what happens is in Fallout 3 or Fallout 4, right at the beginning, uh, it's talking about you were in the army and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of giving off those notes. But that's the male character who is in the army. Yeah. So when the mom you choose as the, the female character and you run into the mix, well, she wasn't in the army. How the hell is she so good at doing all these things? I think the they try to patch in a story later or something, don't they? But ah, it still doesn't it. make sense because the no, beginning, it, like it, you it, said, I recommend. Yeah. It, seriously, removing Ron Perlman was was some kind of bizarre creative choice. And it's like, if there's one thing you wanted to do with Fallout 4. Maybe cost too much. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, but I know, but they got, like, I know. Like, like they paid <laughs> so much to make that game. Uh, this is this is the thing. The one thing they could have done to make people that played the original Fallout games happy about this game is keep Ron Perlman in. It's the one thing you don't fuck up with Fallout. It's like, hey, you know what Doom's about? Doom's about shooting demons. If you remove demons from Doom and you make it a game about playing hockey, then you fucked up Doom. So when you remove Ron Perlman from a Fallout game, that's pretty much like taking the lead actor from like Luke Skywalker out of Star Wars. Like, dude, it's the grounding point. He grounds the beginning of the story and the end of the story and creates this very logical narrative loop of the stories that creates it not as a Fallout game, but as a, a book, like a, a, a novelization that you are in, you are reading a part of and dictating mm -hmm. the story of until you come back to him. Removing that aspect is the cheekiest, assholish thing you could possibly do to hardcore fans. I personally wasn't offended, but I know a lot of the people out there were. This is a very touchy subject for Shane. I oh my right god. Now. I love it. I love it. So, needs to say, not a huge fan of Fallout 4 this year. <laughs> well, I I like the gameplay. I really okay. did. I really, really did. I thought it was the best that they've done uh, since 3. I really felt like they really <laughs> improved upon it. Um, there were characters in Fallout 4 that I was so in love with. Like, okay. these characters, I'm like, I don't even care about my own character. Fallout 4 surprised me in that I didn't care about my character's story, but I cared about everybody else's story. And then that's when I started to enjoy the world when I realized, you know what, I'm exploring their worlds, their mm -hmm. stories, their narrative structures. And that's when I had a lot of fun. Whenever I focused on my character story, it was just like paint the numbers brown. I was like, eh, whatever. But but in the I, I feel that the, the more fun you'd have in Fallout 4 
is just throwing the main story aside and getting lost in the world. That's where I feel you have a lot of fun with that game. I've always felt like that's part of the strengths of Fallout, 4, Fallout in general anyway, but it sucks that the main quest didn't live up to Billy. It just didn't live up to me. I know that's yeah. just a personal No, but I've heard it yeah. um, from a lot of long time fans as well. You're not alone, so don't worry about it. But let's get to something on a happier note. Those oh, are yeah. back-to-back you know, rants, which are well-warranted, but uh, I'm going to go with a game that... I absolutely love this year. And it, it's not even a full game. It's an expansion. But the content uh, befits it being mentioned. I mean, it's huge. Uh, which is Final Fantasy XIV Heaven's World. Okay, so first. I haven't played that one at all. Yeah. What, what was that all about? Um, I love... Listen, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. Um, Final Fantasy XI was my first MMO. I played it for years and years and years. Shame to say uh, I hacked a lot and made some money off of it. But <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV, is, it streamlines everything about it. And it took... I feel like Final Fantasy XIV... I'll get to the expansion impact, but just real quick. It was the, the beginning of Square's almost renaissance. Now, we've yet to see the fruition of that renaissance yet. But it's when they turned the corner a bit after the Final Fantasy XIII. And some really bad decisions. They changed a lot of management. And the, the Final Fantasy XIV original release was an absolute mess. Unmitigated disaster. But bravo to them. They said, fuck this game. We are really sorry. New management. <laughs> we are rebuilding it. And some people might say it was, it's like, you know, they took a lot of things from WoW or whatever. But I never played WoW. So I don't care. But this game is fast. It's beautiful. It's fun. And it the main campaign, believe it or not, even in eleven, the main campaign was actually fantastic. Now, it took for a lot in 11 for you to get through it, but it was super rewarding. And it's rightfully so. A lot of people are like, oh, it's an MMO. It's not a real Final Fantasy game. No, they are real Final Fantasy games, just completely different. 14 story is great. Of course, it has the MMO things of grinding and whatever. But anyway, so I loved it. The grinding, that's what pisses me off the most about MMOs, and that's what pushes me away from almost every MMO I ever play, because... When you get into that grinding aspect, that's when it pushes me back because as a gameplay element, I don't enjoy grinding. And it's just always like, I'm just like, man, I'm not having fun with this. You can give me the best story in the world. And if you tell me I have to grind for 60 hours, I won't pick up the damn controller. I hear you. Um, but in terms of MMOs, Final Fantasy is the most grind. You don't even have to grind to hit max level on your first character. Literally, if, if you did the story and all the quests, you would hit max level and you're ready to go on end game raids and do all that stuff, which is crazy. And it, like grinding isn't a thing until later on, but it's just a, it's a necessary evil in some sort of aspects of MMOs. But anyway. They, they have to pat out the gameplay because yeah. if they're gonna be charging you to be there for months, you can't just like- That's right. Yeah, I mean, the there's only so much substantial content you can add and kudos to the team. Uh, Yoshi P is the guy who took over the, the the revamp and relaunch of Final Fantasy XIV. He did a fantastic job. But everything is top-notch. The dungeons are introduced beautifully. The score to the game, I'm going to do a podcast. I love video game music, and I know you're super passionate about it as well. Uh, just my year, and it's going to be there's gonna be a lot of Final Fantasy Heaven's Word uh, things. It's like they're not stuck in a mode. They, they take uh, genres of music and make it their own, and it doesn't seem corny, and and everything. It's just absolutely beautiful music. And I, I, I listen to it when I'm writing or when I'm doing anything uh, on loop every once in a while. It's great. But Heaven's Word, it's like, obviously in expansion packs and MMOs, they, they just open up new things. There's new jobs and there's new, like, it added the Dark Knight, the Machinist, and uh, what the hell is that? I forget. It's a job I'll never, ever play. But um, it's just, and, and the quest is really, really well done as well. I loved it. I 
it's subscription based. A lot of people don't like subscriptions in MMOs anymore, everything's free to play, but I come from, call me old school, but I don't mind paying for quality content. And I really feel to run a proper MMO with consistent, top-notch uh, content that I want to play personally, I don't mind paying. Now, the $15 model is something I could definitely do with them. <laughs> but I feel like even if it's five to seven dollars a month, I, I almost feel like that's necessary to make an MMO run extremely well. And you look at WoW, They've never gone free to play. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It. I. I. One of the things that pushed me away from playing MMOs when I was a kid was that that whole monthly subscriber sure. service, and and that always pissed me off because I'm just I I never really liked the idea of buying a full price game and then paying monthly to play it. I was just like, well, you're an asshole. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And and there was games out there that offered better gameplay experiences. Whenever I wanted to play a game that had some kind of MMO feel, there always seemed to be a game just slightly out there that I could just play. Like uh, Lineage 2 I played a lot of, mm -hmm. but I played that on um, on, a on an independent server, and I could play that with like a bunch of friends. And I had fun playing that game with my friends, but at no point was I ever like, oh boy, I need to play this on the, the official servers of everyone, because I was just like, no, mm -hmm. I'm already getting all that experience. So I don't I need want. to pay, and that's yeah. fine. And, that, that, and I, I always felt that, when I played Lineage 2 on that private server, I was like, there is no MMO out there that they could ever make that could drive me to want to pay for it per month, when the experience I had with the game was better with friends. Because if I'm just paying monthly to pay play games with friends, we'll fuck off to the forest and to take a couple of swords and beat each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heads, you know I, I mean? hear you. Seriously, it, it got And I had that same opinion. I did until it's just you either fall into that trap or you don't. It's either it works or it doesn't. Yeah, like yeah. I was so sad, and eventually I just dived in just to see, and and it, and it had me, man. 11 but i love final fantasy and before i get off this um i feel like if you are a fan of the franchise it, there are so many nostalgic nods and they're not again they're not done poorly they're done extremely well um i don't want to spoil it but the final boss of the main story now they've added patches of content since this came out in april to expand they've added dungeons which is again is something i want to applaud the team for but in terms of the expansion proper the final boss is such a huge nod back to Final Fantasy VII in a certain way. It's like, it's not even difficult, but the spectacle and what it represents in terms of, I mean, it's not a huge spoiler, but I'm going to spoil it right now because it's 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 really awesome, okay? One, two, three, don't listen if you want it spoiled. The final boss is essentially Knights of the Round. Okay, that's As cool. a summon. That's actually right. And the king, you, you, it builds up to and you don't really put the pieces together. And it's so awesome. Even his his big spectacle attack. You know, there's always MMO boss battles are... Sometimes they do damage checks or there's different mechanics that require team or whatever. But if you don't do enough damage and take down his team or his, his knights, they all get together and they do this huge attack just like a knights of the round and then the screen actually breaks just like it used to. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, this is incredible and it's done so, so well. And there's a ton of it in, in that game. No, so yeah, yeah, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, don't be afraid of it's not a real Final Fantasy game, blah, 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 blah. It's actually when they're always adding content. One of my favorite games expansions of the year. I loved it. That's cool. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a merit to MMOs. Like, I'm not going to blacklist them all, but I just feel like I, I've never really played an MMO that's really grabbed my attention. I've played a lot, but none of them have ever really held me for 
for any longer than a couple days beyond lineage 2 which i like i said that when i played for about a month with mm -hmm. friends and that was about and it. honestly <laughs> to the betterment of your time and your life it's probably for the better because i think a part of the reason why i didn't play enough games this year is because mmos Again, it's that aspect, you pay for it, you don't want to waste your money. They so your month to month, and, and that loop of weekly things that you can do, it always brings you back week to week to week. I'm like, could I play this new game? Or am I gonna play this game that I'm paying for anyway? I feel like RPGs tend to do that a lot with me. Like Fallout 4, I, I played for so long, that by the time while well, I, I got to play Witcher 3, I was just like, ah, you know, I already spent like 60, 70 hours. Yeah, am I up for tackling yeah. this huge other thing? I know. It's, it's a time sink. It's a huge time investment mm -hmm. that seriously nobody has. There's so, very few people out there that could just like... Oh, yeah, like, especially in, in the point we are in our lives, you get older, it's just so hard in order to be successful anyway in those games. You can play for, for bits, but MMOs in general aren't made to be consumed in half-hour, 45-minute bits. Although they do, to, in today's... Final Fantasy XIV is one of the most streamlined and accessible games uh, in terms of in the genre that I've ever had. And it does let you play at 20-minute chunks if you want, but you're never going to get too far in it. So what's one of Shane's uh, games of the year? Um, okay, so my favorite first-person shooter this year, easily Rainbow Six Siege. Okay. Um, without a doubt, uh, wasn't expecting to like this game nearly as much. I played the demo for a day, or the beta for a day, and I was like, well, this is this is pretty cool. And then when I got to play the final version of the game, I was enthralled. I think that, and I've heard a lot of people say some pretty negative stuff about this game. Same. And wow, they're wrong. Like, it, it, they are so completely wrong about what this game represents and what it's gonna do. <clears throat> it's being sold at uh, like a full size price, so like uh, 60 bucks or whatever. Yep. Um, that price has something in it. There isn't, there is a single player experience. It's not massive. It's more like a training type scenario mm -hmm. and you can you can finish it in like maybe an hour, mm -hmm. maybe into two hours. It's really not that long. Where you get your gameplay, like the really cool stuff, is when you get into the multiplayer. Now the multiplayer is crazy good. Um, I've played Counter-Strike, I've played uh, Call of Duty, I've played a bunch of these first person shooters online that, that have kind of like a tactical element to them. But I have to say that all of them pale in comparison to Rainbow Six Siege. This is the future of first-person shooters for tactical wow, games. Wow, that's a big statement. Now let me explain this, because this is this is super important, and I because everyone's been knocking this game and they don't get it. Okay. Counter-Strike. How many times have you played DE Dust? None. I'm not a big Counter-Strike guy. All right, Dust. <laughs> Dust is one of the the most popular levels ever made in Counter-Strike. Okay. And um, I've played Dust about a million times. I know where every character is going to be. I know where, where pro Spawn players, points, I, know, things, yeah. I, I know where they're going to sit. I know where, they, where they're going to be. I know their tactical points. And it all makes sense to me. It's it's now become a, a, not a game of mystery and wonder, but a game of chess where there's only a couple spots people will be able to sit. Hardcore players of Counter-Strike will know exactly what I'm saying to the point when there's one door you can shoot through and you know you're going to shoot through that door because there's a good chance there's somebody else on that side of the on the other side of the mm -hmm. door. And there's people that do that all the time when they play the game. They know the game so well that the walls don't matter. Rainbow Six Siege takes that and fucking revolutionizes it because with Rainbow Six Siege you can knock down walls, literally, not yeah. proverbially. Yeah. I mean, you literally put up like a pack against a wall and blow it out. You can destroy windows. And, and each character the has their own specialties, right? It's, it's and that's like, part of building a team. It's kind of like the Team Fortress 2 aspect mm -hmm. with different kind of abilities, but they don't all have these like outlandish things. 
if you if if you're up against somebody else in this game, it's not like Team Fortress 2 in which oh well he's got he has so much health and he's got this big shotgun and and you have like this tiny pistol you're never gonna win. These characters have different abilities like that, mm -hmm. but if you walk up against somebody else, they have just the same chance to kill you that you have against. Yeah, them. and it's very quick. It's not like a lot of uh, first-person shooters where I mean, quote unquote, bullet sponges like COD. For yes, instance. yes, yes. It's not like that. These guys taking 10, 12 bullets. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think characters die a lot easier in this. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you can die pretty easily in Call of Duty too, but in this one, I think it's the, you, you, it's more or less. You have some. Yeah, it's resistance. more. I mean, as realistic as a video game shooter is yeah. going to be, it's more realistic take. Yeah, it's not realistic to the point where it's not fun. See, the other, the Rainbow Six games had these super tactical uh, games in them, which are still fantastic experiences. Yeah. Um, they have this very tactical, bit by bit, move by move type of scenario where you, you're you're being very specific, and they're very difficult, very hard games to play, and they 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 throw a lot of realism into them. Rainbow Six Siege takes the ease of play of Call of Duty with the tactic tacticality of Call of uh, with Counter-Strike and takes the amazing tactical features of Rainbow Six and merges it into this, this cohesive battle. Mm -hmm. When you're in Dust, you know where everyone's going to be. When you're in Rainbow, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, maybe you know where they might be, but that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Because if they're held up on the side of a wall, well, you can knock that wall down. Yeah. You can come through the ceiling. You can like you can you can do whatever you want. You can go up. Uh, people that are are coming into a building can go up to the ceiling and like jump through windows and stuff like that, and totally change the way a, a game plays out. Instead of thinking of a very basic game from from just a tactical point where you've got this one room and there's only one door and only one way to go mm -hmm. in, you've now expanded the game to multiple ways, multiple paths of entry that change the dynamics of the game in a way that no other game is. And it's very it, it's very team oriented though. To be successful, yes. I mean, I, as you progress, even in general, I mean, it's ideal to have a headset and, and a is. microphone and, and communicating with it, your team. It totally is, and, and that, that's which that. I think is great because it. I mean, it already invites a more mature audience than your typical. And I don't want to generalize because there are fantastic people that do. But but I mean, yeah. bro shooters get such a bad rap, and sometimes rightfully so. You know. It, some of the worst people ever are online. Oh my God, play yes. first man shooters yeah. online. And it's like mute, mute, mute. Okay, I don't even want to talk now. I'm just gonna do my thing. And it'll have some of that. Rainbow Six will 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 suffer. From Inevitable, but I think yeah. as you progress, it weeds out those type of players because you just simply cannot be successful. You don't get that gratification. Now, I've a lot of people tell me this game does not work if you play with random people online. I've played with random people online. It still works because there's a lot of people out there who are playing just like you are, sure. and, they, and they get it. Hey, all it takes is hey guys. I mean. How do you want to tackle this? How do you want yeah. to defend this? And a couple of people, some people even that are willing to talk, need that intro. I mean, it's like talking to people and everything. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. It, one of the things they did in the game that I, I absolutely love is there's there's a, a right at the beginning, um, the people that are kind of like the terrorists, they're sitting there, and they have to build up defenses and they have to like you know uh, uh, board up walls and stuff like that mm -hmm. and do as much as they can to prevent um, people yep. from coming in, set up traps and all that. While that is going on. The opposing team, the the counter terrorists, are, are have little drones going yes. through the level. Now, this is really cool because you can mark things. You can try and find like you don't automatically know where the bomb is. So these little drones can find them. Sometimes they'll miss them, and then you have to explore and, and find mm -hmm. them that way. But the drones are such an important part of the gameplay because when your character dies, either in the uh, the terrorist side or the counter strike side, or the counter terrorist side, um, whoever uh, whichever character uh, whoever, whatever player dies. 
they go back and they're looking through the security cameras and they can talk or they can push a button and the button will mark where other people are. Oh, so they can still communicate. You're still part way. of the action. Even though you die, you're not yes. just you're just there. Yeah. So people the, – the, one one harsh negative I have about the game is the, the, the uh, cameras are always in the same spot. Always. Mm. Uh, okay. Especially for buildings and stuff. If they could move them and randomly generate them, I think it would be much better. I honestly think it would make the game a thousand times better. But basically, what happens is when you when you spawn, you know where the you know where the, the the cameras are, so you shoot the cameras out. Okay. Right, and that way the people that are dead can't really help out the people that yeah. are still alive. But by doing that, by having some ability for the dead players to help out the living players, you know when you die and you're waiting to respawn, and there's like nothing worse, nothing more boring than waiting for that next moment for mm -hmm. you to play. In this game, you are still essential. And you're, you're helping your playing. team. And you're I important. Thought, you can't just take off. Yeah. And honestly, that I was just like. They solved it. Call of Duty hasn't solved that yet. Counter-Strike hasn't solved that yet. Uh, Battlefield hasn't solved that yet. This game That's great. solved it. That's great. Um, actually, that's a new take, because a lot of the takes I've heard are, even by Rainbow, Rainbow Six, some sort of fans were somewhat disappointed in it, but you make me want to try it. Rainbow Six fans would be dis... Okay, hardcore Rainbow Six fans, the ones that love the really hardcore tactical edge uh -huh. of like uh, of uh, Rainbow Six uh, Raven Shield and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, New I, Vegas before it. Yeah, yeah. Not I, New Vegas. Um, uh, no, it's, it's uh, Vegas. Just Vegas, just, yeah. yeah. I get that, right? And I understand how those players would dislike it, but I think it's because they refuse to move along with the times. Mm -hmm. I love seeing the evolution of the shooter. Sometimes oh. you get a force change. Yeah, and I love, I love this because it's taking... It, I'm sorry, but Rainbow Six is a good game, but it is like you're moving a tank at points. Okay, right? by comparison, yeah. Right? And Rainbow Six Siege, no, it's like you're playing a really smooth shooter like Call of Duty that happens to have these really good mm. tactical elements. And when you do that, I was just like, I'm getting two different experiences that shouldn't work together at all, but they do. Mm -hmm. And that was so impressive to me. It's like taking peanut butter and chocolate and going, they can never merge, but then you did, and I was like, we oh get Reese's Pieces, and it's <laughs> awesome. Now, I'll fully admit, like, I'm not a big first-person shooter guy. It really um, has to be a special game for me to jump in, whether it's narratively like Bioshock. Bioshock. I finally played uh, Wolfenstein this year. Oh, uh, I love that. That was really good. I, I liked it a lot. I, I don't... I mean, the, the, people, me the mechanics and the story I love. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was really good, and then I played the expansion Old Blood, uh, the, the throwbacks to Wolfenstein Castle and everything like that, which were really really well done as well but even that I, I i didn't i didn't absolutely love it and i suppose i don't know how much you played of this next game this year but i mean we'll talk about it little or a lot but battlefront how much did you i played quite a bit of that did you yes i okay. pre-ordered the game i regret pre-ordering the game yeah um, i bet so i i played the beta same and, and the beta was rock solid and it worked yeah okay and it worked everything was fine with it and I was like, okay, this game's so solid. When I buy the game, it's just going to have everything I like from here just added on. And, you know, refined and done. Refined. But no, it in today's last game, same thing. most oh betas are finished products. I mean, and that's just the way. And, and that was my problem with the game because I got everything I needed from that beta. And I was like, okay. And now I'm reading there's not that much going to be added on to it content-wise other than a massively overpriced season pass. I'm like, I'm out. I don't need to play no, this game. No, I was, I was, okay, um... Of disappointments I've had this year, okay? Battlefront. Like, I will recommend people play and buy Fallout 4. You it's absolutely... I mean, Even the Metal positives... Gear Solid 5. Even Metal Gear Solid 5. Because you know what? At the core of Metal Gear Solid 5, there's still some... There's some hints of Kojima that pour through in places. Yeah, like, I want to say... I mean... I don't think Metal Gear Solid Five is a bad game. Yeah, yeah. Not like, at all. Not, not, in, not in the way that I, I think we, we might have been establishing there. But let me tell you, Battlefront is... 
is is a fucking perplexing game because it is a solid working game, functional in every way, but don't buy it. Like, it, it, it pisses me off how much... It's like, okay, I don't want to compare it against other Battlefront games because I feel like they need to do something different. Now, mm -hmm. I went and played Battlefront 2 uh, just like a week before this game came out okay. with a bunch of people, and we, we had a fun time, and we had a lot of enjoyment. But while I was playing it, I noticed problems with the game. I'm like, okay, we've now gone beyond these little elements yes. here now. And I was like, oh, well, Battlefront will fix those things. I don't want to compare it against Battlefield because it's it was trying to be Battlefield originally. Star Wars, it, Battlefield. Yeah, 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 right? And it's something else now. So I was like, we're getting the Battlefield guys to make a Battlefront game. It's like, well, that just makes sense. This should have happened to sure. begin with. <clears throat> First off. Best looking game I've ever played. All it's year. absolutely gorgeous. It's, I mean, it's to, insane. It is. It's. I mean, if you can imagine the best shooter in a Star Wars universe, to capturing everything about it. I, this I, is what it is. I, I would have to say it's one of the best visually looking games I've ever seen in my mm -hmm. life. Okay, there are scenes in that game where if you just blinked, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on Endor now. This is what Endor is like. Like this, if someone this is Endor. I've played sports games in the past, like NBA 2K. People walk in, wow, that looks like a game of basketball. Like you know who's playing? Yeah. But people would actually think, are you watching Star Wars right now? Yeah. Exactly. That, yeah. Exactly. The the uh, the way the sand looks, the way the snow looks, the way that the the trees look in Endor. Everything they did was picture perfect, visually on point. That game just rocks it. It looks fantastic. The sound design amazing mm -hmm. like it sounds like a real like you're watching a real star wars movie everything about that works where it falls apart is on every other conceivable field yeah. except for being a like the, the the servers never crash the servers are fine the gameplay works in that respect but it's like the only time i can ever really play a game and go wow what the fuck were you thinking? You didn't do anything else. You literally did the bare minimum. Yeah, and that's the thing. Game. It's so content light. And um, I mean, even the heroes, which are, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to play as Luke Skywalker or, or Darth Vader and things like that. In Battle and those people that's are insane. That's, that's I, I completely agree because, <laughs> listen, Rebel and Stormtroopers, that's not, you know, that's not awesome. It, it might be fun for a little bit. I want to be super powerful or at least be a reward. Battlefront for you know, be a reward. Sorry, Battlefield. The heroes are extremely unbalanced. Like Palpatine sucks. Okay, this is, this is, this is my big, one of the biggest problems. When you play a game like the original Battlefronts, and like I said, I don't want to compare them against that. Those becoming uh, Palpatine, becoming those people, that was a reward for yes. playing so well. In this one, you see a floating It's completely disc. random. And, and it's then, not... And then like, oh, oh where, where do the vehicles spawn? Well, the vehicles don't spawn. You just see a little floating disc. I know. Into. Oh, oh, you, you want some weapons? A little floating disc there. And, and okay, they got the shooting right. I felt like they got the shooting right. Okay, it, it, I love the way that there's a tiny little mini game when you go to reload, if you want to reload a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult because you can never really do it right on time, but sometimes you get it. I like the shooting mechanics. They did that stuff well. All the visuals there, all the gameplay there felt solid, but all that was was elements from Battlefield they had already designed, yeah. right? So when they got into this game, I was like, okay, you got a couple of these things right, cool. Now what's next? And what they pre presented was, let's remove everything that Battlefield does already, Yeah. and let's throw in this new coin system. And I'm just like, <clears throat> Fuck you! It doesn't sound good. It was, it was like, there's no way everyone, like, okay, everyone sitting at Dice had to sit down and go, this was a bad idea. There's no way, there's no way. And that's why I think this is a public, that was a publisher influenced decision to make it, it far, I mean, quote unquote, accessible, because that's what it is. It's a very accessible shooter to someone that hasn't really played a lot of shooters. It to was, people yeah. that are hardcore shooter fans, which I am not, 
I and I'm not even the reason I don't play versus shooters is because I'm just not great at them. I like to play things that I eventually can be good at. I'm not good at them. But uh, it's like there's not tons of depth there for the shooter fan. And I agree. See, an argument I heard with, with uh, just to go back for Rainbow Six Siege, an <sighs> argument I heard with that was that the game was just, it was it was a full price game, but it was so feature light. Yeah. And I think what happened, <clears throat> I think what happened was that people that played um, uh, 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 Battlefront played Siege right after and went, oh, same experience, and threw it away. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. Because Siege is the actually... Is there. Yeah. Like, Siege, all the DLC packs are going to be released for free. And that's the thing. This, and that's the other thing. The The futures of the two games are completely different. Yeah. I mean, he, Battlefronts... See, I might be more willing to jump on board at a $60 price if I was some random Joe if the DLC strategy was better. Because this is the way shooters are. But this, this DLC strategy for Battlefront is completely archaic one is it's overpriced two the way they're doing will segment the the gaming populace it's just adding payable map maps isn't is the worst way to do things you just don't make shooters like that anymore it was it's like rainbow six siege adds like when you pay for that full price you're getting a lot like you're getting levels you're going to want to play again and again and again and there's quite a few levels there there's quite a lot of stuff to do there is a very bare bones single player experience but there is one there which which actually has like a surprise thing at the very end there is some other modes you can play there's not a heck of a lot but what is there is super replayable and super good it's like having a really good track on a racing game you just want to keep going back Mm -hmm. and playing that those tracks again and again but with Battlefront, it didn't do that. Battlefront gave you less features than Rainbow Six Siege, and then those features are not nearly as repayable. After playing the game for, I want to say, about a day and a half, I was done. I was, and, yeah. that's all, and that's what I got from the demo. I didn't need any more. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks because I remember I was like, this is going to be the multiplayer shooter that I get into this year. I'm going to want to play this, and it looks gorgeous. It's going to give me everything I need, and I just... It wasn't there. Uh, how do you feel about them removing the the single player out of Battlefront? I think they did uh, one of the worst things they could have ever done because it needs it. Yeah. It actually needs it. It, it like okay, look, it, <clears throat> Battlefront just had the single player experience that was good, and the multiplayer was kind of half assed. I could see that because there's actually I I actually had more fun playing the um, the defense uh, single player thing. There's these missions where you can like you just defend um, like uh, dropped air uh, escape pods and yeah. stuff. And you're supposed to defend that for a really long time. Those defense missions I actually had a lot more fun with than I had playing the the multiplayer experience. And I was like, why the hell is this happening? Yeah, like it should be the opposite way around. I should be having so much fun exploring it. One of the things I loved about the the game was the commercials where they show um the, like this uh, this person um, playing with his friend, like playing uh, Star Wars, and like they they make like shopping cart X wings and stuff like that, okay. and they're like getting together, and they're there's like this is so amazing, and, and he's just like he's looking at a little R two D two a little X wing, he's just like I'm I wish those times were still here, and then an X wing flies up beside his building and it blows out the window, and his friend uh, his friend opens up the hood and goes. And yeah, another X Wing comes up, and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, this is what Battlefront's gonna be." But mm-hmm. what it ended up being was like, not that. The X Wing rises, blows up the window, and then the the engine shoots out. The friend just falls to his fucking death, <laughs> and you're just like, "Well, I don't want to play that." Yeah. That's what Battlefront ended up being. And I, I got friends that are playing the game and they're loving it and everything, but they're loving it because they're Star Wars. That's fans, right, and I feel like it's a good they're game. loving it because of Star Wars. And I'm not. And fun is such a subjective thing. I don't think that's. I mean, when you're when you're talking about a game critically and, and and stuff like that, I don't feel like fun is 
a good barometer for a, a review or a conversation. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Well, it's just not like it, it's something that can be so many different things really to so is, many different people. It's cool. Like you, you love Star Wars. You want a really neat uh, yeah, Star yeah, Wars yeah. game. This it's is there. Thing, yeah. I mean, yeah. And and uh, and what I'm saying when, <clears throat> when I say Rainbow Six Siege is a better game in every single way, it's because if you want to play a game with your friend and actually actually do something with them, mm. where where being in the same server means something. Because I'm sorry, Battlefront being in the same server with your friend means jack shit. You're mm. not doing anything with each other. You're literally just aiming at a wall and firing and just hoping that something interesting happens. Mm. When you play Rainbow Six with another friend, he is in there or she is in there and you two are important to one each other. You both can play in a very, very specific way where one person um, like um, draw, puts the uh, drone on the ground mm -hmm. and spots people as you go through and tag them and shoot them. Like that stuff is really, really tactical and, and it means a lot. But with Battlefront, you get none of that. It doesn't matter. There should have been a mode where you uh, like you're you're in a bomber and you're flying with another person and the second player is shooting down below at people or whatever. But you never feel any of yeah. that stuff. It's just so bare bones and empty. And that's unfortunate too. Okay. So Star Wars, <laughs> I don't know. It, it sounds like the, the team has moved on, too, so I don't know what... I mean, obviously, they will patch the game. They'll add certain things, but I think... They, they've got the, the DLC season, pack coming out, but yeah, you know what? It's, Here, here's what I say. Don't buy the game now. No! Wait until wait the, till the game, and that's the thing. If I want to buy it, I'll wait till everything's in place, and I'll get it for $30, which I think that's what this game is probably worth. Because Can you imagine if the DLC packs come out, and they actually release single-player expansions to it? Oh, my like God. That? Then, you, then you got a game you want yeah, to play. You know? know. That's, that's where you're going to have your fun. Until that happens, <clears> though... It's a game that is is basically a, a, a pickpocket. Like it's yeah. just taking your money. There's not enough reason. there. Yeah, there's not enough there. If, real if, quick, if, if the game was like five bucks. Real quick, another one of my games of the year uh, was Tales uh, from the Borderlands, which is crazy. I mean, I did you play it? No, I didn't. Okay. Play it, yeah. Now I am a Tale Telltale fan, uh, and I firmly believe they are getting better at their formula. Um, there's a lot of you can refine the engine whatnot but i'm not a borderlands fan at all sam actually not a fan yeah but this was the most well-written funniest uh i honestly think it's telltale's best so far i really do and again i am not a borderlands fan i actually like back to the future a lot but i think i like back to the future mostly because i'm a fan of the well movies, there you go and, yeah. uh yeah i mean i and i love i love almost everything they've done i didn't to a lesser extent, this this year, the Game of Thrones. A lot of people didn't love it, but I I liked it. It's just because you know where the, there's only so much you can work within the confines of that story because the story is fine. But without going into too many spoilers, it's so well written. It is hilarious. The music is fun. The choices are engaging. The characters are, you know, you talked about how the characters were better in in Fallout Four, like the other characters aside yeah. but like it's like every single one of those characters adds so much even the bad guys like they there's I, nothing charmed or cliched and they're funny and let, charming let me ask you this having not played borderlands one and two I, I i i did play borderlands one and two but i didn't get into the stories i didn't enjoy them that dude, much. dude i, I barely played borderlands yeah two. I, I just it's not a game for me it really isn't it's funny too because when i play a first person shooter i expect to shoot somebody in the head and they drop mm. And when I play Fallout 4, I don't expect that to happen. But for some reason, when I play Fallout 4, I don't get the instant feeling of hate that I get when I play Borderlands, <laughs> and I don't know what it is. It's not like Borderlands is a terrible game. I just play it, and I'm like, wow, I don't enjoy this experience at all. Mm -hmm. It just feels so, like, like contained, mm -hmm. in a way. And me not liking those, are you saying that I would actually most likely like Borderlands? Because I love story elements. Well, that's the thing. I, it, I could don't give a shit about playing Borderlands, but... the 
I couldn't deny that there was a charm there that I wanted to get to that I never got to. The the character of Handsome Jack, just from the outside looking and not knowing a ton about it, seemed compelling. You know, that sarcastic, asshole nature of it and just everything about it seemed very interesting to me. But the game as it was, as one and two, did nothing for me. This, I got in and it was when I... When they started announcing all these projects, you know, the year before, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how the hell they're going to do this. And this is the one I will not play. But I ended up buying the first one. And I was like, that's probably the best episode of Telltale I've played. I just loved it. And then you had to wait so long, which is becoming a reoccurring problem with them. But that's neither here nor there to this game. I loved it. And it is one of my top three games of the year. Oh, definitely. Okay, so I'm going to have to try that out then. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, I, I do like their games. Uh, Telltale, Telltale is a very strange beast because I was like, there's no way Back to the Future is going to be good. And I ended up liking that, but I am super biased on that because I'm such a big fan of the movie. You literally could have put the freaking game out on toaster packages and I probably would have liked it. But I think it was um, I, I think Sam and Max. When I first played that, I was yeah. like, I get this. I like what you guys are well, doing. I mean, everyone's a, they're not new. They're basically throwbacks to the old point-and-click adventure games just brought up to speed in some sort of way, you know, with voice acting and whatnot. And I loved old point-and-click uh, adventure games. Yeah. I loved them. And that, that's, what, that's what Tales of Borderland is, pretty much? So, well, all these Telltale's games are just not exactly like that, but it takes that formula and moves it forward in some sort of way. And I, you know, they got famous for The Walking Dead, and everyone loves The Walking Dead. I think The Walking Dead Season 1 and 2 are probably their weakest projects. I've never... I Okay, so I played uh, just a tiny little bit of the first one, and I, I, I am planning to finish them at some point. But for me, I'm zombied the fuck oh, out. Oh, 100%. That's and why I never played Dying dead. Light. I, I want nothing to do with it. And I think... I don't even think Walking Dead's good. I, I It's just so cliched. It's like, it's like I just don't care. I, I mean, like, I played uh, Black Ops 3. has like two or three uh, zombie missions in it when you buy it. I'm just like... Yeah. Dude, back off. Yeah, I, I know. It's, it's so like, overdone. I know. We, we've got like a million and one. I've got uh, on Steam uh, reviewer or like uh, companies that send me games for review. Mm -hmm. I got like 10 zombie games in like three months. And I'm just like, dude, I can't yeah. even quantify that. Like, no. what are you doing that's so different? You use zombies as an element as kind of like a deconstructive uh, core mechanic for a game because you want dumb AI to just slowly creep yeah. towards the character. Some game developers do it better than others. And there are some really solid zombie games out there. Dying Light is one that I do actually want to play because I like what they're trying to go for with it. But I'm just, at the, at the same time, I'm just like, man, if you release another game about I know. And, and, and look, and look, there are other games out there that I actually avoided playing because they had the the the, the scent of zombieism. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, uh, what was that game for the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 they released a remaster for? Uh, Last of Us? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Last of Us isn't really a zombie game. But no. because of how they were marketing it, I was like, oh, fuck, a zombie game. Have you game. never played Last of Us? No, I, I had it. Oh, okay. But, like, I was like, I was I was actually, I didn't want to play it for a while because okay. I was like, oh, it's just another zombie game. Uh, but then everyone was like, no, no, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that happens. The zombie games have become so primary that it actually, I'm just like, I don't even, it's like when World War II games are coming out yes. every two days. Yeah, right? and it's like, okay, I'm so over this. Let's do something completely different. I know, I agree. No, but Tales from the Borderlands is, is awesome. I think it's Telltale's best. I will give that a shot then, yeah. Any other games uh, you want to go through? I mean, there's obviously a couple I still want to talk, but, I mean, we're getting a little long in the tooth for this. I wanted to get into 2016, but I think I'm going to split these into two episodes. So we'll stop this when we're done 2015, go into what we want and into 2016, go from there. Sorry, you probably didn't need to hear that, but we're talking about <laughs> that. So, um, you go. What's, what's the game? 
I would like I think my last game I'd want to talk about for the year. Like I said earlier on, was Read Only Memories. That, that okay? Is, yeah, yeah, please. So Read Only Memories is an indie and, game. and sort of sorry to me before you get started because yeah. I didn't play it, and I also yet to play Undertale, which is another one. You were giving me a good correlation between the two. Okay, that's a good. Um, yeah, so, use those uh, as you as you go. So Read Only Memories and Undertale are two indie games that are produced by completely different people, and they have nothing at all in common whatsoever. Uh, two completely different groups. Um, everyone is loving Undertale. But I felt that Read Only Memories was, in my opinion, the far better of the games that okay. I played. Um, Read Only Memories is takes the elements of Snatcher and improves upon it in, in a very interesting way, very much like um, any good game should. It should be inspired by other games or other kind of elements and then improve upon those elements to make a, a much more interesting aspect. I mm -hmm. think because I want to see growth in game design. I don't want to see this flat, everyone does the same thing kind of deal. Um, when I played uh, Undertale, I just, I didn't fall in love with Undertale. Um, I played a couple of hours, I think three or four hours of it, mm -hmm. and I was just like, wow, I'm not having fun. Like, this is just, it's not interesting mm -hmm. to me in any way, and it felt narratively kind of hollow. I am going to keep playing it. Um, because it's relatively short, six, seven hours? It's six or seven hours, yeah. yeah. And I, I just, I wasn't getting that out of it. Everyone's telling me you got to beat the game and enjoy it, but like I said, I don't like playing a game of seven hours just to have 10 minutes of like, and that's why it happened. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, it's like there's, I've walked out of movies because the movies were so boring that I'm like, look, they like, seriously, John Candy could come back from the dead and go, guess what? You want a million dollars. And it's like, I'm still not going to sit through the whole Melvy, man. Like, yeah. this is literally, uh, what was, there's this one movie I watched that I got so bored I had to leave. I think it was just called, uh, Ah, uh, shoot. Uh, oh, the Brady Bunch movie. There, that's one. Oh I fell my. asleep during that one when it originally came out. There's uh, Stay, that's it, Stay. Stay was this movie that I watched um, about an and all the actors in it I love. After about an hour of stay, I don't um, need to stay. No, I didn't. <laughs> Me and my friend got up and we left the theater because we were like, you know what, this is stupid. We stopped watching it. I, 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 I'm almost hazy on this, but I think we stopped watching it when a hand came out of the sky and pulled a record off the ground or something, and I was like. What the hell has this that happened to me the other day? Like, <laughs> Someone's walking out I was, of my life. I was so, I was so, I don't even remember the scene in the stand. I'm probably messing around, but there's like a hand or something <clears> in the sky. <throat> and I was like, nope, nope, I'm done. And we left. Yeah. So like, I, I have that thing. If, if it's going to uh, demand my time, yeah. it's got to be worth it. Fair Read Only Memories, right at the start, grabs you and holds you and wants you to be a part of this universe. And it gives you the reason to be there. And it teaches you in a sly way, the mechanics of the world. And I really, really like that. Read Only Memories held me in narratively, gameplay-wise, and emotionally, and, and like with with uh, like the graphics and everything. Everything about it was was on fire. Mm -hmm. But Undertale didn't do the same thing. Okay. And I feel like a lot of people are being told Undertale's a really good game, and everyone's telling me I gotta keep playing it all the way to the end, but they're doing that because they didn't play Read Only Memories. Okay. If you only played Read Only Memories, you'd see another game that's taking the same example, and it's like, Read Only Memories, I, sometimes I don't like this, but there are games that are so good and then the ending kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. But you're just like, at least the rest of the game was so good. And I feel like Undertale is the opposite of that. Apparently the entire game isn't all that great, but the ending the is The payoff really is where it's at. Yeah. And I don't know what I hate more. Can't we just have a game that does both things right? I know. So yeah. It's really hard for me to judge things apart from each other. I mean, I don't... I want to make this another one of my other, if you listen to my other podcasts, I hate the Mass Effect 3 ending. <laughs> you know, but it's about the journey, not the ending. But 
the ending sours the journey for me. But yeah. anyway, it's like it's like you get to the ending and it's like, guess what? Your character was dead. All yeah, yeah. It's like, no, really? We're doing that? And, and it's a shame because there's <laughs> games like Read Only Memories every year. And I think that's a, a video waiting to happen is it's like the games that fall through the cracks. Yes. And there's just there's so much. It's like any medium. We're saturated today with great music, great film, great games, great everything. It's like there's only so much time. Yeah, and that's great. We, you know, we can get together. I didn't even know what read-only memories was. And I love Snatcher. I love these things. And you're telling me about it, and it just makes me want to play. This is the cultural evolution of Snatcher. And you showed me the it. intro before we started. I'm like, yep, that's what I like. Yeah, and that's that, like that intro. It's not like the intro doesn't lie to you either. It's not like, okay, here are these amazing pixelated graphics, and now the game's going to be a 3D hop drop mess. No. When you get into the game, it looks just like the intro. It plays like that. And the nostalgia gets you in the door, but it doesn't. That's not the only thing going for it. Yeah, and it's got very little voice acting. You see voicing act, uh, voice acting at the beginning in the intro, but when you actually get into the game, there's very little of it. Because it is an indie game at its core. It wasn't <laughs> made with like a million dollar budget. It was made with a small budget. But I think what they had, they achieved, and they achieved greater than most like first party publishers would be able to produce with their own like multi million dollar budgets. That's fantastic. Play read-only memories. Yes. Do it. Go out and get it. I, I mean, I'm going to try Undertale as well. I haven't. You got to. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, like, if, if, if you might see something <clears throat> in it that I didn't see, and mm -hmm. I think everyone's going to see something in it that I didn't see, because I think I was a little bit more harsher on the game than most people were out there, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, now, we're at about an hour and a half, but there's a few games I want to get through. Um, let's try to move these through relatively quick. Everybody's Gone to the Rapture was... Not as good as I thought it would be, but I still really enjoyed it. Right? Yeah, yes. Okay. That's right. Um, it was beautiful. I liked the message. It probably isn't everything you thought it was going to be. And, you know, some people have a qualms about the movement or whatever, but I feel like if you're playing this game to move fast, you're probably in, you're not, you know, you're playing for the wrong reasons. I mean, you're there to take in the environment, take in the narrative, take in the, the passive narrative, the world, and things of that nature. And I, the score is is awesome. I, I, I really liked it. I did like the game. I mean, some people said it didn't live up to their billing, but uh, I mean, it, I'd probably fall into that camp as well. I think I was expecting a lot more than what it actually was. Mm. But what was there once I came to grips with it, I didn't hate. I, I actually liked it quite a bit. I get that, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you play Batman? Uh, oh, right. That yeah, I know, out. we forgot about it. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that game. Um, okay, so I bought the PC version yeah. initially. And oh my god. So, <laughs> let me explain. PC version was broken. For many that don't know, the PC version it was broken, is broken, will forever be broken. It's still broken, yeah. yeah. Um, Even after a, a re-release and pull off the shelf thing. Yeah. yeah, so I did beat it. I felt like it was the weakest of all the games I do too. Made. And, uh, and, and every, everyone always tells me uh, Arkham Origins is it's the no, weakest. But you, you know what? You want to know what's crazy? I mean, other than the glitches, I think Arkham Origins is the best game. I had a lot and of fun I with Origins. See, I think the story and the characters are so well done. And I don't I, you know, this isn't about this. I mean, this is a great conversation. It's just, I feel like it got a bad rap because it wasn't Rocksteady and because it wasn't getting enough time in the oven because it was a game meant to pigeonhole, you know, the, bridge the gap more yeah, or less. Yeah. And I just... I don't know. I felt like it did so many things well. I mean, from the detect the, the introduction of the detective world building that Arkham Knight takes. Um, I mean, it wasn't meant to revolutionize what, what the Batman Arkham games yeah, were. Yeah. I really feel like they were like, give me more of what made City great, and we'll be fine with that. And I actually think they made a better City game, but that I still love City. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? This is, this is how I feel for me. 
Um, the first game, I feel, narratively and everything, um, it, it works incredibly oh. well. I think that there's a lot to explore in that game that's it's manageable and enjoyable. I think one is almost a perfect game. Like, I, really I think it's fantastic. I felt two improves upon that and does a lot of really cool things. I felt it was really good, too. And I like the story in two, I think, a little bit more than one. But that's just like... Like a and the gameplay. Off, right? I mean, yeah. it's, that's the only thing that was tough for me with Asylum was going back to it. It's like it's missing those gameplay yeah, yeah, additions yeah. that worked so well in City. I agree, and I think Two did that really, really well. I felt Origins was just kind of like a shift of two. They're very similar. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of different. It's just it's just a, a, like a plus one on top of it. And I still enjoyed it, but that last Batman game drops the ball night i felt night, yeah. i felt narratively they got the story wrong i felt they got the characters wrong i felt they underused the characters when they when they did use them yeah. and the characters they didn't use they should have used and then i felt the gameplay was just a mess of just a billion different things like there are literally sequences in that game where you have an ability and you use the ability once and you never use it again and i'm just like why give me a thousand abilities mm -hmm. and it's like well we just you we just and it's crazy game. because when they all when they do work in conjunction when you start going the challenge room it's it's pretty awesome when you get the hang of it, but you're right. There is there's almost like for it they had these these entire spectrum of weapons you can do while gliding. I never used that once. Yeah, like yeah. I don't need. I want to get in. I'll do the tackle and then I go. You know I go at it. They 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 literally added so many features that I was just like, man, I am overburdened with things. Like, dude, when I want a car to drive me from point A to point B, I want the car to do that efficiently. It can have a radio. It can have a cup holder. It can have power windows. But what Batman tried to do, that latest one was, okay, you can choose a, th a, set, a thousand different kind of wheels, a thousand different kind of engines, you can have a different kind of body, it will fly you there if you want, you can go underground, you can go on a boat, and I'm just like, shit, I just want to punch the guy, what button is that? Yeah, yeah. And that's what Batman ended up becoming, was this huge mess of features, and I'm just like, I'm not enjoying this, because what was so good about the other Batman games was, here's a problem, there's one really creative solution to get out of it, find the solution. Mm -hmm. But in this Batman game is, we're giving you a million different things, one of those things is the solution. And I absolutely <clears throat> found that vile. Like, they didn't understand it. And the story was hands down the worst. So you didn't, did you like how they implemented the Joker? Uh, absolutely not. See, and I, I, I feel like, again, Origins was a better game when the Joker wasn't in it. I was, it, it's like, Batman is more than the Joker, and I was anxious to get into a story that didn't have the Joker into it, and I just, I don't know what Rocksteady's obsession is with the Joker. Now, I, I was like, not expecting the Joker to be in the game at all. No, I mean, I, I sort of got, I was, I was really looking forward to this game, and I mean, the Batmobile as, a, the Batmobile as a mode of transportation, I actually thought it was extremely well done. I never thought I would want to go because I love traversing the worlds and city and origins, just, you know, going through the rooftops, tackling yeah, problems yeah. like that. I actually really liked it. I didn't need the Batmobile, but the way it was and how as a, as a traversal thing and engaging with the environments and flying out of the roof, that, that was awesome. And you're on a rooftop, you press L1 on the PS4 controller and it's the sound effects all make it work. Yeah. But that aspect of the Batmobile and it and, and iteration as the tank. It's an absolute fucking mess and the biggest problem this game has. <laughs> By implementing that tank, if the Batmobile was just as it was, the game would have been fine because yeah. the, 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 the way the levels are constructed would have been able to be left alone. But the tank, it's like everything has to involve the tank. Every and, and, and to the detriment, there's almost no interior environment, which 
you know, fed off the predator rooms and things like that. It's just, it was not fun to use the tank. And then it subsequently, there's no goddamn boss, boss battles. It was, it was which origins nailed, which it, city nailed. I couldn't understand. Like, dude, I'm so confused as to how they Deathstroke is really relegated. And like, to he's like, he's like a two second character. I'm like, you just used, you were, you were building something up with these characters and like, they were building up something grand in all the other games. Yeah. Like this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. And then when you get to it, it's like, okay, I, here's a pack of marshmallows. I'm going to go to the store. And it's like, wait. Is that the story? Well, I thought I thought you're and like even some of something. the arcs they built up in City, like the Hush angle. Everyone thought you know Fuck the Arkham Knight. Oh, piss! Oh off. my God, it pissed me off so much. What, what's 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 Hush's angle? Two seconds in a row. And then that's oh the thing with God. the Arkham Knight. I'm not gonna spoil it, but what the Arkham Knight ended to be, it's not a huge thing. I, I mean, it's spoiled halfway through the game. You already know as soon as something shows up, that's what it is. And I, it's exactly what they said it wasn't going to be. That pissed me off so much. It's like it's like. Because they keep it's going to be a completely new character. Mark, no, Hamill, it's not. It's like I'm sorry for spoiling the game, guys, but Mark Hamill not in the game. No, he is in the game. He's in the Why game. Why would you lie about? I know, that? I don't get it. And then, and then, the, and, and it's like it would have been a better game if you didn't introduce those. Con- like, dude, yes, I get it. I love Mark Hamill. His his uh, interpretation of the Joker is it's amazing. Awesome. It's, and you know it's what? So good. I wanted him to like him in this, but you know what you did? You went from making him this subtle thing that happens once in a while to the other games, and this one he's every two seconds. I know, seconds, I know. And I'm like, oh my god, stop! And you it's know? like if they didn't. Okay, I could have got over it if it wasn't there all the time. When he showed up in an event, like I felt like there are things this game is doing is so beyond in terms of presentation, cinema, it, cinematic. It's a bad story, is what it is, and it is, and yeah. That, and I think that story makes the gameplay even worse. And I, I don't even know how to quantify that. Like I don't. There's so many aspects without getting into the exact minutia of it. But why does the Arkham Knight have all this money? Why you know what I mean? I just don't get it. I like the battle of of the mind. That was the only thing that worked, and there are elements that work, but the overarching thing falls so flat. And as it's supposed to be a finale for these fantastic series of character, I'm using the word fantastic too much, but whatever, or, or, or fan, fantastic franchise, it just, it sucks. And even the side quests that I love in City that were really well done, they're not as well done in Arkham Knight. They fall flat in a lot of ways. But I went back and played the season of Infamy because I'm an idiot and bought the season's pass. I don't know why I did. I, I had some credit or something I did. But the finale, the season pass is sucks. Don't buy it. But the season of infamy, which adds the four new side quests like Mr. Freeze, Rachel Ghoul, Killer Croc, and um I don't know, I forget. Is it Sandman? No. Oh, Sandman. Not Spider-Man. Uh uh Clayface? No. 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 I don't even I don't just Freeze, Killer Croc, Rachel Ghoul. I forget. I completely Oh, and and um Mad Hatter. I don't. They, they love the Mad Hatter. I don't know why they always put him in the game. He's the worst. But it's actually kind of well done in this. But those little side quests, how they're done in the world, how you can dial them up, are excellent. And if, if Arkham Knight would have just been that and a better story, I would love the game. And, and, it, and it just sucks because the game is absolutely gorgeous. The scale of the city is like Arkham City times 10. It, like, the buildings are bigger. Everything is more beautiful. You move faster. And it's, it's so much... Better is just not a good story. Yeah, I think I think that's what really what really got me. And the tank the is is just. I wouldn't even have minded the tank in the in the grand scheme of things with the story, if it wasn't in everything. No, no, dude. There, there's a point in the game. This is a spoiler. Okay, this is a spoiler. So warning. 
there's a point in the game when you lose the fucking thing. And yeah. I was like, thank you. Yes, I know. And then two seconds later, don't worry, I've got another one. Yeah, yeah I know. Fuck you. Fuck you. Don't do that. You gave it, you got rid of it, and now it came back. Yeah, and I, I know, was like, it oh, sucks. Dude. It sucks. But yeah. It's just, uh, like, it's, it's just, and it's a beautiful game. Oh my God. It's visually, beautiful. it's insane. Like, the rain effects and the lighting effects in it, it's some of the best looks you'll oh, find. Yeah. In fact, I'd say it would be the best looking game this generation had it not been for the fact that most people on PC couldn't be able to run I the know. damn thing. I know. And Battlefront exists. And yeah. Battlefront makes it look. That's the funniest thing. Battlefront is a game I don't want to recommend to anyone. Of all the games here, I recommend you actually try them out and, t- and see what mm. it's like because maybe there's a, a, a subjective opinion about how we feel about the stories or the gameplay. But Battlefront legitimately is a bad, hollow game, but it's the best-looking bad, hollow game mm-hmm. you'll ever play. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I think the final one we should close on before we snap this and move on to 1B would be The Witcher 3. I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that real quick. I mean, personally, if I had to choose a game of the year, quote-unquote, it would edge out the other Final Fantasy Heavens Award. And I didn't play enough of it, but visually... I played, I played 24 hours, uh, 25 hours of it, uh, roughly, and I just... Again, it's tough because my opinion is off a six-month build of the game after 10 patches. And that's not really fair. I don't know if I would have loved the game as much as if I played it day one. Because I hate glitches and things interrupting my time and my experience with the game. But the side quests are so well done. Uh, The world is absolutely gorgeous. It's... I'm not a huge open-world fan. I never... I'm I'm of the mind that... The bigger you get, sometimes you lose focus and it hurts narrative stories, I which I play games agree. for. Yeah. Everyone plays games differently. I understand. It's just everything's open world for open world's sake these days. You know, they're talking about, which is one of my most anticipated games of the year, Dishonored 2. And, you know, if it was just open world, don't make the game open world. I loved Arkham City because it was more open, but it was contained. Like, you know, it, it didn't lose too much of the focus. And it's just... It's almost too dense, Witcher 3, but I mean, in terms of fitting that open world pigeonhole, it is such a well-realized world. The side quests are so well done, they mean a lot. Whereas this last year, Dragon Age Inquisition, I'm a huge Dragon Age fan, but I did not like Inquisition. So much of the side quests were MMO. Again, I did you play Xenoblade this year at all? Uh, like, honestly, 10 minutes. Of yeah, it. and I, it's like MMO light, and it's like, I don't know, that's not what I want from some of these. I'd rather have 10 awesome side quests than 50 snatch and grab ones that mean nothing. I'm, I'm agree- I, you know what, I, I, I agree with you because, and you know what, I, one of the more I think about this, the more I realize, because you mentioned earlier on that it's it's the idea that we're getting older maybe and then we, we don't have all this time to play all these games. But I don't think that ever happens. When I, when I played games when I was a kid, they didn't last for fucking no, ever, no, right? Don't. There was like a set time to play in the game. Some games I played only took an hour to beat, some only took two hours, some took a little bit longer than that and treated it more like a season of a show. Mm-hmm. But there are games I'm playing now where I'm just like, okay, dude, I'm 100 hours in, get fucked. I just want to finish the game. And, and, and you know what? This is going to be the most unpopular thing I ever say. Say it. When I like say it. that games don't need to be that long because they do not add value, I fucking mean mm-hmm. you don't need... If if the best you can do is pad out gameplay to make the game worth its time and length because you have no other ability to make the game worth it, then you just made a shit game. And that's why... Amen, brother. And I and like and that's, that's why I'm playing some of these games. Like, uh, uh, Undertale, okay? Seven hours? Hey, 
I can do that. Yeah. I'd rather it be two, yeah. but I can do that. One of my favorite experiences playing a game was Portal. Mm -hmm. I could beat Portal in like two hours if I'm taking my time. Sure. And that's a nice experience of a game. We've got really good puzzles, some really cool narrative, and, and an ending. And it does it all within about two hours. I didn't need the game to be 75 hours with a million puzzles I'm never going to finish. And I feel like they're just... It's one of the worst trends. And for some reason, today's gaming populace just loves the, the back-of-the-box open-world quote with 100-plus hours of gameplay. That means jack shit to me. You know what? That's actually a deterrent to me. It is, uh, yeah. You know what that says? It says, needlessly big, too much filler, and a shittier, unwieldy focus in terms of the narrative. Like, and a chance for a broken game. A game that's just not going to work. I'd rather have a game that does five things extremely well than a game that does 15 to 20 things average. I agree. Dude, dude you know what it's like? It's like going to a buffet... And giving, they're giving you all Yeah, tons things. of it. Tons of it. And it's like, okay, but, but you know what? All I wanted was that one thing, hmm. and that one thing is never going to be done well at a buffet. If, it, like, there are games that are, are, are structured in that way to be that big, where you can explore I know. whatever you want, right? And that's cool, and that's totally fine. And they're going to say that these open worlds games just aren't for us, but I feel like you can make these meaty, huge games. And, but just, I mean, trim some of that fucking fat. Yeah, like, okay, Call of Duty Story... The Call of Duty main quest, if they promised me the Call of Duty main quest could be finished in about three or four hours, okay? Seriously, yeah. I would play the game, but where I want my extra hours of gameplay is in the multiplayer, mm -hmm. right? Because that's where I'm going to have a lot of fun with it, where you can create a really fun mechanic that's repeatable that I want to go back and play again and again. What fucking fun did I have playing like 70 hours of Metal Gear Solid 5? Mm -mm. I didn't. I repeated the same. Dude, I I streamed the game because I felt like I had to do something to share this with people to have like the, the most yeah, fun I had playing Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah. The, mo the most fun I've had playing Metal Gear Solid 5 was playing it with people online and, and talking with them because I had nothing better to do waiting in the fucking... Because you uh, had nothing bridging those gaps. Yeah. I know, I hear the gameplay loop is so good, but what is the purpose of that game? I have no reason to be doing what I'm doing right now exactly it's like it's like people like to like to forget tetris is a really solid game a really good puzzle game but it's a puzzle game you can pick up and play in a couple of minutes sure you don't have to sit there for 12 hours playing the game you could do that if you wanted but the the idea of getting the enjoyment from the game is in the is in the gameplay easy to pick up yeah. difficult to master and when you get to some of these games right now that are being created it's like 200 hours of gameplay. It's like, fuck you. Why did I need 200 hours of gameplay? Mm -hmm. You could have you could have taken out that three-hour gap where I'm walking through a forest picking up fucking strawberries. You could have taken that out and put in a, like a 10-minute... Yeah, is there a better way to do that? Yeah. Rather than this collecting. I mean, again, The Witcher 3 is too big. I, I'm fine. You know, I, I say that with full confidence. It's just too big. It's too dense. There's too much. Yeah. But... The main story is still good. The characters are really good. The writing is really well done. The the game is gorgeous. There's, I mean, in terms of a tactical thing, it shits all over other open world games this year. It does. There's no loading times in the game. In inter interior exterior is seamless. Again, I'm talking about a six month build of the game. The combat was more refined when I played it. Mm. And everyone says, oh, the combat's not that good. You know what? The combat's fine. Like, you know what's not good combat? Skyrim. Skyrim has awful gameplay. It is dreadful. I played Fallout 4, uh, and when I beat, when I finished Fallout 4, 
that's when I actually um, got into Witcher, and by that time, Witcher had already seen a bunch of updates and yeah. stuff. So what I played, like you said, doesn't represent the very first And they fixed yeah. even things, like they fixed the way Geralt moves, like the movement speed, the way he stops. You know, he used to, like, carry on for some stutter step. They fixed all that. Again, yeah, like, it's it's hard. You're, maybe your experience with the game is completely different, but, I mean, it's already garnered a bunch of Game of the Year awards. Not like I need that to validate my opinion. Oh, my God, yes, I get that. Yeah, right? Like, but it's not like, it's, it's which not like we're bashing a no, bad game. No, like, I, and I'm not bashing, but those side quests and the, the directions that they can go, they add so much to the world. They're not tossed in for no reason. The, every side quest has, you know what I mean? It, they're fleshed out, and they work. They really work. I loved The Witcher 3. And I guess I can't wait to spend 60 more hours with it. And that's fine. You know what? And there are games like that that exist that are that are cool that you want to spend a lot of time into. But for me, all I want to do, right, is just sit there and play a game and enjoy it for a little mm -hmm. bit. But I feel like every game I get into, it's like, um, this is something I just did with my wife over uh, New Year's Day. New Year's Day, we sat down, we had a whole bunch of movies we hadn't watched, and we mm -hmm. sat down, we completed a bunch of movies we had never seen. You know why we could do that? Because not one of the movies was 17 fucking hours I know. long. Yeah. It was insane. Like, we sat down, there was a couple movies we picked up, we I, we, we did this really cool thing where it's like, uh, we watched a movie for 10 to 30 minutes, like we had this like little mm -hmm. mark, and within that point, we watched at least 10 minutes, and if the movie wasn't doing anything of interest that we felt was... If it hasn't grabbed you, you're out. Yeah, right? So we did that. We got through a bunch of movies that we didn't want to watch anymore. But then we discovered some movies that we didn't really think we would like. And we ended up liking a yeah, lot and watching yeah, yeah. all the way through. So there's a way to do that. And with video games, I feel like... Somebody somebody told me, Team Fortress 2, you don't get the Team Fortress 2 experience. And, and I, and I, I apologize. hate that. I've, I've apologized to this person because I understood what he was saying at the time. But I took it incredibly harshly. No, but I do but too he, because, it, again, if you... If that's the only thing you say to me is that line, we're gonna have a massive problem. Yeah. It was uh You're insulting you only, me. You can only get the the feel of Team Fortress 2 if you've played a hundred hours of it. And I was like, That's a bad badly designed bent. game. I mean, you're describing a badly designed game. Yeah. And I know Team Fortress 2 isn't a badly designed game. Yeah, but, uh, Team Fortress 2, like he was saying that I'm like, dude, I, I and I played Team Fortress 2 for hours because I really, really enjoyed it. I, I I played it, I don't I played it before Steam was actually registering time to play. Mm -hmm. So it says on there that I've played it for like 70 or 80 hours, but I'm pretty sure it's in excess of that. But it was a community experience I was experiencing yeah. with other people. I never played Team Fortress 2 as a single player experience. No one did. So what I was experiencing there was a community bridge thing and the game did evolve and change over time. And sadly for me, it's evolved into a game I don't enjoy anymore. But that doesn't diminish what the game was for no, me, I know. right? So when I hear somebody say, well, you have to play a game for 100 hours just to get like, to the ba building box, I'm like, what game? Shane, you like, hear it oh for League of Legends, you hear it for Dota, you hear it for League Souls of Legends, and all this bullshit. stuff. bullshit. Everyone tells me that you have to play... Dude, I played I played hours. League of Legends before it was League of Legends. The Heroes <laughs> in Warcraft 3. I was yes, the biggest yes. Warcraft 3 nerd there was, and I love playing it. I it's get like, it. It's like, it's like Dota and anything yeah, like I know. that, right? Everybody just tells you you have to play like a game for like 50 hours to get used to it. And I'm yeah. just like, dude, look, if you told me, if like, seriously... Think of games like food to an extent, or movies. If you seriously told me, well, when you go to McDonald's, you're not going to enjoy the first Happy Meal, mm -hmm. but after your 50th... You need, yeah, you need you 10 to, to really get the experience. Yeah, no, yeah. That's it. Ten, 10 to really understand how good mustard is. Get the fuck I out know. of my house. Like, that shit is just <laughs> insane. Like, when people say that stuff, it's like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Like, no. But you're also you're just insulting my life experiences. You know what I mean? I have enough <laughs> life experience to get a first impression. Just it's, like people, just like games. It's it, fine. It's like, it's like dude, like, uh, yourself and me, like, we play a lot of video yeah, games. Yeah, I try. There's a lot of people out there that but do the same But I can't play everything. Too. Right, yeah, but when when somebody tells you something like that, it's like, dude, 
this game isn't new. I've already played twenty. Other exactly. Games like this, this isn't. This isn't new. This in, this isn't innovating really. It's just an iteration of something I've already done. It's like it's like it's like okay. Uh, does it take a million hours to get good at Minecraft? No. Do you want to know why Minecraft is so easy? Because you didn't have to build. This is important. I don't think anyone understands this about Minecraft. This is really important about games in general. Minecraft. What happens when you want to take a piece of wood from a tree? Did you have to build an axe? No, you punched it. That's why Minecraft worked. How do you dig? You punch the ground. <laughs> if you actually had to make that shit before any of that yeah. happened, in this really complex way, no one would have played it. The concept... Ease of use. Ease of use. With and from that unlimited ease, depth in world building. Yes, yeah. see, that's what makes Minecraft such a genius idea. And even if you don't like Minecraft... You know to punch the ground or punch a tree. Yeah. That's all you got to do, right? Mm -hmm. And the tree still floats there because it's magic. It doesn't matter, it's a right? Magic tree. But that's the thing. No one ever seems to understand that if Minecraft had, well, it takes 50 hours to just figure out how to punch a tree, no one would have bought sure, Minecraft. Sure, yeah. But I'm also of the mind that it doesn't have to be, I don't want to be, I don't want games to be so simple to pick up, although that does fit for many games. I'm okay with, with, um, a learning process. Oh yeah, but if if, yeah. By, if after like I like to think I'm pretty good at video games. I have enough experience, but if I can't grasp something after a couple hours, I'm out. Like I just it, that means there is something wrong with the game. It's not me. It's the game. Yeah, and that that's absolutely true. Like like I said, there are like from coming from a classic retro video game experience, there are games that have like sharp learning curves mm -hmm. where it wasn't easy to get into, and there are a lot of games like that. But back in the older days. Some games were invented that created genres, and they didn't know. They didn't know what things, they were. Right? They like, just were. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, there, there are first-person shooters I played in the early days that were just like, well, you need a key card to get into this door because we need to create something mm -hmm. for you to do. It can't just be you shooting. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. The time. It has to be a barrier. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing that happens with these games. There are games that do that. That have those learning curves, but they work really well and yep. they work in their own ways. Yeah. So that was our extremely lengthy. <laughs> year of 2015 of games that we played i mean i guarantee you as soon as i stop this and go to the bathroom i'm going to think of five games i missed and you're probably going to think of that as <laughs> probably, well yeah. but you know what we'll talk about them through the line uh through the year i really enjoyed 2015 it did not live up to the hype i had but a game a year doesn't have to be good for me honestly it was it was the games i i was not expecting to be inspired i by. think that's that's a, yeah. you're right and, and it's like the, the games I, I played that I enjoyed ended up, I enjoyed different aspects of them more than what I thought mm -hmm. I would be enjoying. Mm -hmm. they, they showed me different avenues. 2015 was a year of changes for me. It was something that I completely, it, it subverted my expectations and gave me something completely different, which gives me a better open mind for the future for games to come out. Great way to end. This has been 1A of the Rose Experience podcast. We're going to move to 1B with, we'll cover 2016 and maybe a personal resolution and our Hopes for 2016 as a whole. It'll be a little bit shorter. We'll be right back. <laughs>